Two more days till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Two more days till Halloween, Silver Shamrock. By the time this episode comes out, that won't be true anymore. I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Welcome to 1,000 Wives of Weird, the podcast where we discuss everything weird, but primarily weird movies. Yes. We have not recorded an episode in quite some time. and at It's the, been a while. At the time uh, that we're recording this, we also haven't really been releasing very frequently. No. I'll, stuff I'm, got in the way. Stuff got in the way. I yeah. was in a show. Billy was in a show. Yeah, Billy got a new job. Staggered. I got a new job. I got new medication. Yes. Uh, I, we have a lot of emotional problems that we <laughs> wrestle with constantly. <laughs> as you can tell from uh, just what we choose to spend our time with. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, so it's it's been kind of a it's been kind of a thing. But I'm I'm really excited to. I to am. Dive I'm back in. so happy to be back. Absolutely, absolutely. We're back like Paul Newman. We're back like Paul Newman, as you always say. Do you what, understand what that's a reference to? I think you explained it to me once, and I've already forgotten. What is it? It's a line he says at the end of the Color of Money. He he does a pool break and shouts, <laughs> "I'm back." <laughs> I'm ba- we're back like Aerosmith. Then. Yep, back like Marty going to the future. <laughs> what uh, what movie did you bring on this time? Again, by the time this comes out, it's probably going to be like after Thanksgiving. But like at the time that we're making this episode, it is fully Halloween season. Halloween, uh, as I said, we both we both been having kind of hard times. One of the things that's been bringing me through it uh, a lot is Halloween. You're a real Halloweener. I'm a huge Halloweener. You guys can't see it, but like we're currently sitting in a room that is literally covered in fake jack o' lanterns. Yes, it's pumpkins a poppin' at the Martell residence. Pumpkins a poppin' at the Martell residence, and uh, so I, when I. Th- Felt with my heart and just what movie I wanted to talk about next. The only answer that that felt true to me was Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. An infamous film. This, for the longest time, was considered to be the the, the Friday the 13th 5 of the Halloween franchise. The one where they stupidly did away with the main antagonist of the franchise and went in a, a, a dumb direction that everyone hated. Jason got replaced by Jackson. Yes, Jason uh, was replaced. Who was a talking mule. Famously by Jackson. He had, instead of a, a, a hockey theme, he went with a rugby theme. Mm-hmm. It was just a poorly conceived film all around. But uh, it, it, Halloween 3 season of The Witch, it's had a, a reevaluation in recent years. Its cult classic status has been growing. It's Absolutely. been getting more attention both as a legitimately good movie and as a good bad movie. I saw so much Halloween 3 merch in the past two Halloweens. Really? Way more than I've ever seen before. Obviously, Michael Myers has been a Halloween icon. Of course. Almost since the movie came out. They named the holiday after his movie. After his movie, yes. It was not called that before no. this. Uh, That's why John Carpenter is so rich, because he gets all those residuals every time anybody celebrates Halloween. Anytime anyone says Happy Halloween, he gets a check. Mm. So the movie is much more popular now than it ever was before. It's considered a a sort of a fun oddity. But uh, yeah, so we're, and oddities are what we talk about here. And what makes Halloween 3 odd? What makes Halloween 3 odd is, as as I alluded to before... The idea behind Halloween 3 was John Carpenter, as always, fighting the things that make him popular, decided that he just really could not stand to make another 
Michael Myers movie mm. and decided that they were going to, since they were being forced to make Halloween sequels in the first place, Halloween 2 only happened because someone literally sued John Carpenter into making it. Oh, really? Really. So he he, he was going to make another movie called The Fog, mm. which he did end up making, but he originally was going to make it with one producer. He ended up making it with a different producer. The first producer sued him and said, I will only stop if you agree to make Halloween 2 with me. Mm-hmm. And John Carpenter was like, fuck, I guess I'm making Halloween 2. All right. But it he... gets me back to my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But he only made it if he could kill off uh, Michael, Michael Myers permanently. So in the end of the movie, Michael is blown up. You mm-hmm. see his body burning to ashes on the floor. He was going to be made to make another one, so he said, let's do something weird, let's make this an anthology franchise. Mm-hmm. And every movie will just be a new horror tale about Halloween, themed around Halloween. If if Maybe if some of them are, are popular enough, they can get their own spin-off franchise. Yeah. But every movie's going to be different. And it turns out, when you make one of the most iconic horror movies of the decade and then make a sequel that continues that story, it's very difficult for people to pivot into a a different concept yeah. for the franchise entirely. Moviegoers are not necessarily the most attentive crowd. No. So I'm sure that the advertising made it clear that Michael Myers was not a part of this oh, film. Oh, they, they did. Yeah. But they, I'm sure half the ticket buyers... Probably still thought he was in it. Exactly. Absolutely. And... The even if, however, even if we didn't already have that problem going for us, let's say this movie was the first Halloween movie, or even mm-hmm. if it was just a, a, a completely separate movie called Season of the Witch, the movie is bizarre as hell. The plot it's, is strange. It's strange, yes. The 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 pacing and everything about the movie is is all over the place. Yes. Let's jump into... Well, let's let's give a brief synopsis of Halloween okay. 3, Season of the Witch. Sure. It's about a drunk doctor named Dan Chalice. Mm-hmm. And a Dan, drunk bad dad doctor, as I call him. A drunk bad dad doctor. Yes. And I, I told Dan that we were doing the show today. So oh, he did might, you? <laughs> he might drop by. Oh, I can't wait. Who... What a character, that Dan. Through the most contrived measures possible, yes. becomes embroiled in this... It's very hard to describe the plot of this movie without... A man dies with a Halloween mask in his hand. Because it's a mystery, so it's hard to, like, explain what makes this movie interesting without, like, just explaining the the plot of the mystery. But yeah, a man dies with a Halloween mask in his hand. And his daughter, the dead man's daughter... Yes. ...joins up with Dan Chalice to investigate. Yes. And it goes from there. And it goes from there. They investigate. There's all sorts of wacky stuff involving, I guess, just to kind of hint at it, the origins of Halloween. Sort of. Uh, there's uh, an, an incredible performance by... Dan O'Hurley. Uh, Dan O'Hurley, uh, known from RoboCop and the bad part of Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. as well as, I'm sure, other things. Uh, but uh, just an incredible performance from him that absolutely makes the movie for me. But uh, yeah, it's it's a wild ride. So would you recommend it? I would tentatively recommend it. I greatly enjoy this movie. I love this movie. This movie is bad. It is. This is a very bad movie, but and it gets and it is a slow starter as well. It takes a while to get its feet under it, but for me the last 40 minutes make the movie and 
absolutely save the film for me. And, and it's it's always an experience whenever I watch it where I will turn it on. I'll say, hey, I love Halloween 3. Let's watch it. I'll turn it on and I will real and I will wonder why I like the movie. Those first 20 minutes are rough. For those first 20 minutes and then the last 40 minutes happen and I'm like, "Oh yeah." I started this movie a couple times and uh it was it was I just couldn't pay attention to those first 20. I understand they are they are rough. Yeah. They are legitimately rough. Would you recommend Halloween 3? <sighs> I would not. It's sort of Fair a enough. cusp thing like you. Yeah. Part of my problem is if I think I had gone into this movie blind, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Mm-hmm. But I first encountered this movie through the Bad Movie podcast, We Hate Movies. Sure. Where they outline, they went through the whole thing. They do like we do. They go through the entire plot. Gotcha. So I knew a lot of what was coming. Gotcha. I think if I had been surprised, I would have enjoyed it more. I definitely think that would be the case, yeah. But to some of those some of the moments that happen in this movie are wild. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And there are some really great weird things. There's some great effects. Absolutely. Um if you like if you're a horror fan who loves unique kills, there are some like yeah. there are some boring kills in this movie, but there are also some kills that you will not find in anything. There's, like, some, there's just some wild shit. There's some good ones. Yeah. But as you said, it's the pacing, the structure is all fucked up. Yes. As much as I wanna like Tom Atkins as Dan Chalice, he is not fit for the role that they're trying to do. Also the role is not well written. It's not um, well written. Tom Atkins is a legitimately charming actor. He uh the weird direction and weird writing and just overall weirdness of this movie kind of pushes him into doing an impression of a a 1930s radio announcer throughout yeah. most of this movie where all of his lines are delivered like hey i got to get a drink you know like yeah. all, it's 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 like a yeah it's just weird it's i don't know that it's I don't know that this is something that needs to be sought out by most people. Sure. It's not... I wouldn't... If someone were interested, I wouldn't say, no, 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 don't watch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's not something that I would go out of my way to be like, hey, you need to check this out. Sure. One thing I will say before we get into spoiler territory, that is a good... I think is a good thing about this movie, and and the only thing that I think it does better than the original Halloween, because the original Halloween is a classic for a reason, Mm -hmm. is... Tying the story into the holiday. Yes. Not only, as I said, does it involve a little bit of, like, history of Halloween, like, very fictionalized history of Halloween, but just in terms of the way that it's shot and the things that they include, there is much more stuff about the traditions of Halloween. There's much more stuff about uh, just seeing a lot of pumpkins, seeing a lot of kids in costumes, seeing a lot, like there's a lot of stuff with candy and stuff like that, where this movie feels like it has more of a claim on the name Halloween than the original Halloween does, which while there is some fun Halloween imagery in there, it's very subdued. And most of the movie is just babysitters getting killed. Yeah. Spoilers for Halloween, I guess. Well, John Carpenter was originally going to call Halloween knife man. Really? No. <laughs> no. Sorry, that's obviously a joke. I'm sorry. Um, now, this Halloween 3 was not directed by John Carpenter, nor it was written not. by him. No, Who it wrote not. it? Who directed it? So, yeah. So... The writer and the director are the same person, I believe. Well, kind of. 
The movie was originally written, they went to a writer who was very respected, a British TV writer named Nigel Neal to write the script. Nigel Neal is a person who you could definitely, he's he's not like a big science fiction writer, but I consider him to be the father of British science fiction, at least on television. Did he make Quatermass? He did. Oh, really? He created the character of Quatermass, who, if you don't know is this iconic science fiction figure in British television history. The original Quatermass serial changed the way the BBC made television. They started filming them. Before, they just had TV on the radio. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They they, they, they had never done like, what pictures What if we turned these cameras on? They had never done pictures before. That's the why... The blitz is over. We can use electricity again. That's why you can only ever hear rec- audio recordings of Quatermass today, because mm-hmm. they figured, well, we only... This was like a, a cool, like novelty but we never want to see this again exactly. we only want to hear this no actually the reason why you can only hear it is because the bbc burned every television program they made before mm-hmm. a certain year but anyway same thing happened to wicker man did it really uh they used <clears throat> some lost footage from wicker man to like pave a highway or something like some shitty Fuck. thing happened but there's a lot of as a doctor who from... fan this is a very big stick this is a very big yeah. lost spot with me but uh yeah, and, and Quater, speaking of Doctor Quatermass, inspired Doctor Who. Quatermass inspired Adam Adamant. You wouldn't have half of British science fiction television without this guy. Yeah. So he wrote the script, and he, being a British snob, decided that he didn't like the way horror was going with all the blood and the boobs and all this stuff. So he wanted to write a more heady science fiction, sort of like an Outer Limits approach yeah. to what a Halloween movie would be. They yeah, because this prompt, is not a slasher. No, not at all. They gave him the prompt, hey, we want you to make, just do whatever you want. It just has to be themed around Halloween. We're going to just like get a bunch of writers to write scripts based around Halloween. You're the first one we're going to do do this. So he did. And they liked the arc of his story, mm-hmm. but they the producers, the studio heads were like, where are the boobs and the blood? So they handed this script off to the person who ended up directing it, Tommy Lee Wallace, who is a mem- who was a member of John Carpenter's college band, the Coupe de Villes. Oh, yeah, that's how they he, he there were three members: John Carpenter, him, and the guy who originally played Mike Myers. Oh, okay, yeah. So the the three of them were that band, and John Carpenter just handed it off to his band buddy to make the movie. <laughs> just the first person he looked at, just like, literally the first person he looked at. Uh, and said, hey, Tommy Lee Wallace, rewrite the movie to include all this uh, violence and gore and blood that we want. And Tommy Lee Wallace, who is a hack, was like, sure! And like rewrote the movie. I don't know who was responsible for the bad dialogue, but I, given some of the comments he's made, I'm guessing it was probably him. Probably. Uh, he... S- some comments that he's made about the movie, by the way, the only other like really significant horror thing that he made after this was the It miniseries with Tim Curry. Really? So that's kind of the caliber that we're working with here. But uh, Tom, Tom Lee Wallace said that he named the movie Season of the Witch as a reference to the George Romero film, also called Season of the Witch. They asked him, not a okay, that's just taking the title. That's just taking the title. They asked him, okay, but like, does it have anything to do with the plot of the movie? And he said, yeah, because there's a witch mask in it. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. So essentially, and that kind, and when I found that out, I found that out doing research for this episode. It kind of completely unlocks the movie because the there's so many things in the movie that seem really smart, and then there are other things that seem really dumb. 
And you realize, yes, because like a really good writer... There were two hands in this. Yeah, a really good writer wrote it, and then a hack rewrote it, and that's exactly what you're seeing, is just like a lot of shit on top of like probably a good cake. Yeah. Yeah. So the film was made using mostly the same crew as Halloween 2. As you said, stars Tom Adkins and and Dan O'Herlihy. Dan O'Herlihy. Thank you. Uh, much like the opening of the first two Halloween movies, we open on a jack-o'-lantern. Mm-hmm. But this time, it's a rad 80s it's computer digital fucking dot matrix Ooh. jack-o'-lantern. It's I like so- this effect. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it as the jack-o'-lantern sort of like came up. And If you're one of those people who only watches uh, pumpkin shows, just <laughs> shows of digital pumpkins... No, what's what's the name of the show that everybody loves? It's uh, Mr. Robot ne- on Netflix about kids, Squid on, Game, kids on bikes, Stranger th- Things, Stranger Things. If you're one of those people who watches Stranger Things just because you can't get enough of '80s ambiance and that's all you care about is just like synth keyboards and '80s yeah. things, this John- opening is made for you. <laughs> and John Carpenter still does the music for this. He still does the music. I think it's my least favorite score he's ever done. I mean. I dare you to pick out his scores from a lineup. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, like, there's a moment later in the movie, one of the most infamous things about this film is that uh, for confused 80s audiences who weren't sure why Michael wasn't in the movie, they further confused them by having the movie Halloween, the original film... Play at the end. Play not only in the end, but earlier in the movie. Like oh, really? A couple times during the movie, they turn on TVs and Halloween is playing, which just confused the hell out of the audiences in the 80s, because again, they weren't paying attention. Why is the movie in the movie? Right, why is the movie in the movie? They didn't have the internet back then. They weren't. They, they couldn't were... Google why is the movie in the movie. Yeah, why is the movie in the movie? So, in that, but in the end of the movie, when they play a little bit more of the film, the score from Halloween starts playing... And it's the only scene in the movie where I feel any kind of genuine menace. Gotcha. Because that score is so good, and this score is so bad. Yeah, John Carpenter is not known for giving a shit about things. (laughs) And he especially wasn't about to give a shit about Halloween 3 of all movies. The series he did not want to continue in the first place. No, it literally got sued into making. But yeah, it is. if you just like the sound of John Carpenter's scores even when he's just like kind of half-assing it. This'll do it. Yeah. This'll do it. It has all the or whatever, you know. It's kind of like, you know, the third time Danny Elfman did the Tim Burton movie where the first couple times he was like, hey, I'm going to make some really cool shit. Yeah. And then like the third or fourth or fifth time he's just like, I guess I'm just like, yeah, just going to do 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 and la 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 la. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I wrote down, your the score starts up and it feels like you're watching the first Terminator movie a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so we cut, especially because the first scene is a guy getting chased through the streets by a bunch of emotionless, lumbering goons in gray suits. Emotionless yes. goons in gray suits who are chasing this older gentleman who's running desperately through the streets. Uh, he manages to get away from one of the goons who catches him by crushing him with a car. Yes, he pulls out a... Is this what blockchain is? Because he pulls out... (laughs) 
It's the only thing that, I, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, he pulls out a there's like a, one of those big block propping up wooden uh, cheese wedges out yeah. under the wheel. Um, as the guys, as, as the guys, the guys got him on the ground strangling him, and the car like comes in, in probably the lamest kill in the movie because he's just like, oh no, and, yeah, like, limps uh, over. All the all the goons in this movie sort of look like Robert Palmer. Oh God, yes, yeah, absolutely. The '80s musician Robert Palmer. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so and then the guy runs away. So the army of Robert, Robert Palmer's is chasing this guy. He manages to crush one of them a car. He runs away, and he manages to get to a gas station, where the the gas station attendant is watching the tail end of a news report, where we find out that a piece of Stonehenge has recently been stolen. A five-ton stone adjacent to Stonehenge. I think they call it the Moonstone. Oh, it's not part of actual No, Stonehenge? they didn't steal like a, one of the monoliths. It okay. was like, I think it was like a stone that was just I've like, seen this movie so many times and I did not pick up on that. I thought they Yeah, that's why they just stole... have a giant fucking rock. That's right. At okay. the end. I thought they literally took like one of the rocks from no. Stonehenge. Okay, so, but like it is like an adjacent piece to Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. You said it was called the Moonstone? I think it's called the Moonstone. Okay. It is weird that you so know that's more how, about this movie already. After that's this. how you get a Clefable, is you give your Clefairy a Moonstone. Oh, God. Anyway, but yeah, so he's, he's someone stole uh, a, an adjacent gigantic rock. I to, wonder if this is going to come back. I wonder if this is going to come back. This is... This is one of the things that breaks people about this movie. When you, you you hear people like talking about it and talking about whether this is either a love it or hate it film. Yeah, and a lot of people are just like that moment happens. You good? Yeah. Okay. That moment happens with Stonehenge, and they're just like, I I need to stop. Like this is this <laughs> I can't I can't go any further with this franchise. The the runes in Halloween Part Six I can take it. Stonehenge. Can't fucking take it. So anyway, that's that's your clue that Carmen San Diego in the film. It would have been funny. Yeah. If the goons fucked up and yeah. they stole the little Stonehenge that Spinal Tap uses. <laughs> I wanted a five ton moonstone. Here's a five gram moonstone. <laughs> well, this is that's what he wrote on the napkin. Don't don't pay attention to the napkin. He's an idiot. And this is uh, ironically. The song that they play in that scene in Spinal Tap pretty succinctly sums up the yeah, backstory no, of this film. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no one knows who they were yeah. or, or what they, they were doing. doing. <laughs> okay, so, uh, and then after the news report goes off, we get our first instance of the iconic Silver Shamrock Halloween costume advertisement. Oh my god, this has been in my head all fucking day. It I watched this never, last night. It will never leave you. It will never leave you. And we started eight more days. <laughs> like, imagine yes. Tom Atkins in this movie, uh, Dan Chalice, is so fucking frustrated by the end of this yeah. movie with this fucking song. And I can imagine it. Yeah. Because this is coast to coast. Coast to coast. Apparently, every whole, single... All of America. Wh- in this, television in this and universe, radio. In this universe, there is no such thing as time zones. Everyone's no, in the we'll, same we'll, time zone. We'll get to that later <laughs> but yeah so uh the movie establishes that we are eight days out from halloween and it does that by going eight, eight more, more days, days till halloween 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 eight more days till halloween silver shamrock remember to get uh, tune into the big giveaway at nine the announcer on the commercial by the way is the director that's his director oh, okay. cameo doing a spooky voice uh, I saw somebody theorize online that he is also the voice of the horror host 
in during the horathon in the first movie, but I was not able to get that confirmed. So, okay, but uh, it is a very similar spooky voice being done, and, and he sh- did work on the set of the first two movies. And I want to point something out. Okay. The Silver, Silver Shamrock commercial yes. advertises three masks. Yes. Three masks, Halloween 3. <gasps> this is a complex and deep movie. This is a complex and deep movie. There there are some people who re- they refer to the masks as the Halloween 3. So there's that. I bet they have a lot of sex. I bet those people <laughs> just never stop having sex. They just constant fucking. But yeah, so... They fuck. They stop to refer to the masks as the Halloween 3. <laughs> Then they go back to fucking. Go right back to fucking. The three masks are a skull, a pumpkin, or a jack-o'-lantern, and a, a witch. witch. They are latex masks. The masks were made by the same company that made the Halloween mask that they used as Michael Myers' mask in the first Okay, movie. the reconstruction of the Kirk mask. Right, So the, and it was a... Uh, so they, they are a company that actually makes real Halloween masks, oh, and they fun. just they, they managed to make these masks for, for the movie. I think two. I don't remember which ones, but two of them were massive. Were already selling, and then they designed the third one specially for it. Gotcha. But yeah, it was is a so kind of a big deal. But yeah, the guy runs into the gas station. The guy that was being chased runs into the gas station, grabs the gas station attendant clerk, and says, "They're coming. They're coming." Which no one's really coming. No, no. one's really coming in this movie. I mean, uh, I, mean I mean Tom Atkins, Tom Atkins does later. later on, yeah. Uh, I'm sure she doesn't get off. <laughs> I don't think I, she does. I don't um, think she. That's why she's desperate for it to happen a second time. Yeah. But we'll get to that. But there's no invading force in this movie. No, not really. No, not they're, really. They're pretty much here, and they have a diabolical plan. Yeah. Also, I think I I was thinking about it. Is there any line that's been said more in more movies than they're coming? Like I think I think I, I can. I, it sounds like that's the most common. Like it's they just just constantly in horror movies. But anyway, uh, he falls unconscious, and they he and the gas station attendant off screen takes him to the, the hospital. hospital. But before we get there, we need to be introduced to everyone's favorite horror movie protagonist, Dan Chalice, Doctor Dan Chalice, Doctor Dan Chalice, played by uh, Tom Atkins. As we mentioned, he's an alcoholic. He's a bad dad. He's a doctor. He's also a womanizer. It's never clear what kind of doctor he is. Uh, I, just, I am sure he's bad at it. I'm sure <laughs> he is. Whatever he is, I'm sure he's bad at, at doing it. Because he's bad at everything else he does in this movie. Uh, he stops by to see his kids long enough for us to once again get the Silver Shamrock commercials. Oh, never seconds, stops. Never stops. Seconds after the, the last time we saw And the kids sing along this time. Yes, they do. Dan Chalice has brought them some Halloween masks that they are not interested in because they already have silver shamrock masks and those those the the silver shamrock masks are the tickle me elmos of halloween like apparently ev- every kid has to have one of these everyone masks. wants to either be a pumpkin a witch or a skull no one wants to be fucking mr t or <laughs> a my little pony or anything the funniest thing is at the end of the movie we get a brief montage of the kids going about their halloween in the silver shamrock mask and not a single one of them is dressed up as something that goes with the mask. No, they're they just all from the neck the down. From the neck down, they are all a variety of costumes, and they're just wearing the mask on top. But then again, like that does kind of fit. Every time I see pictures of Halloween costumes from the '80s, there is always this very tacky element to yeah. them. Like you're wearing a Superman outfit, and it just says like it doesn't have the S. It just says Superman across across the chest. Uh, the Wolfman, and you're wearing literally a T-shirt that says the Wolfman. They're all made of like this weird. 
plastic, sort of like, like vinyl, like very thin vinyl, very thin vinyl, and you have a hard plastic mask. Yeah, really like upset with like hard a plastic mask. elastic band. Yeah, very like cheap a, literally a band. rubber band. So honestly, the silver shamrock masks are an improvement on what most kids had available to them I in the eighties. Yes, I understand. but I'm sure I know children, and most of them would probably want to be Mister T. I think. Yeah, I don't think that these would be as a hot selling of an item in, in real life, but yeah. the quality of the masks is good. But because as, it's a movie, they don't they yeah they can afford it. It's like any time a Halloween costume is in a movie and it's incredibly extravagant and right. detailed. Yeah, exactly. But Dan Chalice is getting in an argument with his wife. His, when he gets a page, she gets a beep on his beeper. Real quick, the wife is played by Nancy Keys, who was Annie in the first Halloween. Oh. And she was Annie's body in the second Halloween. Wonderful. Where she was taken away by uh, young Dana Carvey, who was in Masters of Disguise with Brent Spiner, who was in Star Trek with Patrick Stewart, who was in X-Men Days of Future Past, which was a sequel to X-Men First Class, which starred Kevin Bacon. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel proud of yourself? No. You shouldn't. <laughs> anyway, so Dr. Chalice gets paged. Yes. Uh, Dr. Chalice gets paged, and he goes to the hospital, where for some reason, the dude who found him is still there. <laughs> The dude who found the wounded man is still hanging around. Yes, deliver. He just just uh, trying his best to make the most out of the 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 the, the amount of time he has on this film. <laughs> you think that actor just won't leave the set and is like, no, he'd still be there. <laughs> he'd still be there. He's concerned. This is an actor I looked up on his IMDb. I think this is the only speaking role he ever got. Aww. So I think that I I just think that for him to have like this many lines in this scene was like a big deal, and he's like. He's given it his all. He's yeah. like, I'm going to make this time on screen work. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's he's mainly just, his character is mainly just there to be like, hey, uh, you're not going to call the cops or nothing. Like, this isn't something I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm not going to get in trouble. It's worth helping people, not if you get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, so, and then, immediately, mere seconds after the last time, which was mere seconds after the last time, we get the Silver Shamrock commercial again. This is three times in the first oh, first ten minutes. Three times in the first ten minutes of the movie, we get the Silver Shamrock commercial again. Uh, thankfully, this is the most you ever have to hear it in a succession of time. Yep. They, they're more staggered after this. But god damn, if you don't want to shoot the movie and everyone involved in it by the end of this first ten minutes. The commercial plays on a TV in the hospital, which causes the, the man who's lying on the stretcher to start freaking out and panicking he's clutching uh, a pumpkin mask a pumpkin mask in his hands which uh dr chalice takes away from him give me that you dumb fuck <laughs> what's exactly. this a pumpkin he talks like a he talks like a bad guy from an old western the entire he, movie he looks tom atkins looks like the villain in a movie about golf <laughs> he absolutely does he absolutely does. The movie where I think Tom Atkins looks like he belongs the most in the role he's playing is still Lethal Weapon for me. Okay. Playing the dad of the, the girl who was all messed up with the drugs and the prostitution It's been a and long died. time since I've seen Lethal Weapon, but... He just, like, he it's, he seems like he would be a war buddy to... Uh, uh, Riggs, Murtaugh, one uh, of them. I don't remember which, Don, which. Dan, Danny Glover. Okay. He, he looks like he would be an old war buddy to Danny Glover, and that's the role they gave him, so it works out. But you got to love Tom Atkins. He's, he's great. Not in this movie, but he's usually no. great. No, he's not. But yeah, so uh, Tom Atkins gets the guy set up. A nurse appears to be doing all the work for Tom Atkins. He's mm. not, he's not, or Dr. Chalice, he's not doing anything. 
uh, he immediately starts groping. Hey, the nurse. hey, what, what are you talking about? I, I don't, I don't do anything. Hey! Oh, Dan Chalice is here. Dan Chalice, Doctor Dan Chalice. Hey, Doctor Dan well, Chalice, how gonna, you doing? I'm just gonna have a drink and just. just I, I figured you would. Uh, but I, I do a lot of doctoring. Like, don't don't sell me short. I oh, okay. do a lot of doctoring. I, I apologize. What 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 uh, what field of medicine did you specialize in? We were having a discussion about this. Uh, podiatry. Podiatry. <laughs> Podiatry. Yeah. Okay. It was a. They assume when the when this is based on true events. So is when it? I when I got called in mm-hmm. uh, for Halloween man's uh, dying. <laughs> um, I thought. Oh, wait. I thought you were saying that the title of the movie was originally Halloween man's dying. No. <laughs> uh, that's what I said. It should be called. Like, right. 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 I went up to Tommy Lee Wallace. Yes, that that's, that was his name. It's like yeah. we should call this Halloween man's dying because he dies right in the beginning, <laughs> and you know. Right. But no, yeah. they thought it was a foot emergency, so they called me in. Right. But. Um, I ended up not being able to do a lot, right? As you yeah, see yeah, in the yeah. movie. I see. So, so but I still hung we, around. They caught you on an off day. They did. I was supposed to hang out with my children. I wanted to hang out with my children so bad, so bad. I said that to them, but then I got this page, and I came, and they, it wasn't a foot emergency, right? But I just hung around. So instead of, and then instead of going back to your kids, you groped a nurse and then took a nap in the back room. Yes. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also I don't know if you know this, but hospitals keep beer on hand. I I found that out in this movie. I was yeah. not aware of it before. I uh, for people going through like DTs, sure. So I like to creep in there and give me a little medicine. <laughs> get you a get you a little medicine. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Right, I'm just gonna sit in the corner and sure. uh, well, have a couple drinks and... before before we get before you do that. What did you think of Tom Atkins' performance as you in this film? Uh, I thought he was uh, I thought he really captured my sexual energy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I thought I he can really it captured my can-do spirit, my like <laughs> I'll do anything to get to the bottom of a case uh, of beer. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's that, a punchline right there. Or like a uh, a mystery case or like a podiatry case. Sometimes you don't know what's wrong with the foot, so you got right. you got to hit the streets. You got to talk to people. <laughs> you got to talk to. You got to track down those clues. You got to follow all the clues. Yeah, yeah. Especially if they lead to a liquor store. That's why my name is Dan Chalice. A chalice holds stuff like knowledge. Sure, sure, absolutely. All right, I'm going to take. All a seat. right, you you take a seat, and we'll we'll get back to you. I guess. So but, while while Agnes the nurse mm-hmm. is uh, doing her rounds, uh, another Robert Palmer man yes enters into the the mask man. What what's his last name? I forget. Grimsby Grimscribe uh, a, uh, Gr- Gr- Grim Grimbridge Grimbridge Harry Grimbridge is, Harry the, is Grimbridge. the name. I think we don't find that out until later. Yeah. Probably when we meet his daughter. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but Harry Harry Grimbridge is 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 all. Knocked out on Thorazine, which is yes. a reference to the first Halloween movie, because they were Be- going to pump Michael up on Thorazine. Because when he saw the Silver Shamrock commercial, he started to say things, and Dan Chalice was just like, "I don't need yeah, this. shut him up. <laughs> just, I don't need to hear from this motherfucker right now. We'll talk to you later, find out what's going on. Yeah, just yeah. dope this dumb son of a just bitch. Just shut him up. I'm tired. Did, but uh, <laughs> Dr. Chalice is tired for most of this movie. <laughs> He is tired and drunk and sad. Yes, <laughs> he's a very relate- and horny, very and horny, <laughs> as drunk, hell. tired, and sad. He's he's the Halloween hero twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one deserve. Yes, absolutely. 
But yeah. maybe after Halloween Kills, they'll really juke the audience, <laughs> and they'll do a season of the witch uh, reboot. Oh my god! What? So the Robert Palmer goon comes in while Doctor Chalice is taking a nap. He comes right in, walks right in. The hospital is just about as empty mm-hmm. as the hospital in Halloween Two, and uh, he murders the fuck. I thought he was going to rip this dude's face off. I was really excited for a second. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he almost he does this sort of traditional. It's in a lot of horror movies where you, they grab the. It's in Blade Runner where they grab the side of the yeah. face and just like they do it a couple times in, in this movie. Do they do it a couple times? Yeah. Oh I, yeah. You, mm. I they do, like they they do very do. they do variations on it. Okay. They do variations on the theme. But yeah, he's he he grabs him and he, he just like crushes him. The one thing that this movie has that I don't see in a lot of movies, a lot of them just have like the blood coming out of the eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Uh in this movie you get a nice sickening crunch of the bridge of his mm-hmm. nose. You get a real Javert crunch. You get a real Javert crunch. Boink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> best part of Lame is the best, movie. Best part of Lame is just <laughs> 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 the Foley artist was doing his work that day <laughs> on Les Mis. Absolutely the star of the movie. The the uh, Harry Grimbridge, by the way, it, for the brief time that he's on screen, is played by the actor who played Dr. Hans Gruber in the opening of Reanimator. Oh. In which uh, his eyes explode. So stuff always happened in this guy's eyeballs. Dr. Hans Gruber? I know, Yes. Yes, and Reanimator came out before Die Hard. Interesting. I know. I did not catch that when I watched Reanimator. I really need to watch that again. So yeah, uh, he he crushes this guy's face. Yes, he crushes this guy's face, and then just kind of saunters out. Just kind of just very casual. Just leaves. Just leaves. Just leaves. Uh, the nurse and uh, discovers what's happening. I think and, and sc- starts screaming. Starts screaming. Wakes Dan up. Chalice, Chalice wakes up. Yep. And he he chases the 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 assassin out into the parking mm-hmm. lot, just in time to see him douse himself in gasoline, and blow up his own car. He was protesting the Vietnam War, <laughs> a war that at the time of this movie was already over. Well, it was still a bad idea, and he's gonna <laughs> let him know that. And he's gonna let him know that. This deleted story arc from Seven Psychopaths, I think, really, really would have brought the film together. But yeah, so the next day, they find out the man, the old man's name was Harry Grimbridge. The cops want to write off his death as a drugs-related random occurrence. As you do. As as cops are wont to do. But Harry's daughter, Ellie Grimbridge, uh, shows up to identify the body and says he was a real sweet man, sold toys to kids, he wasn't into drugs... And I'm going to find out what's going on. Fuck all y'all. I must have, like I said, this first 20 minutes were like a slippery stone for me where I could just not fucking grab onto it. I get it. I forget this part. Like, I didn't think we saw Ellie until the until bar. Until the bar, right. Yeah. No, you, that's how he knows her when she shows up later. Okay. she's in this scene. I thought it was just... <laughs> just bad writing? Really bad writing. Right, which Because they mentioned the funeral, which we don't movie, see. Yeah, we don't see the funeral. Absolutely not. Uh Dr. Chalice has a medical examiner friend, yet another woman that he comes on to in a big way. And who is also into his mustache. Yeah, and just his... every, every woman in this, this... Every woman wants to fuck Dan Chalice. The, that uh, douchebag who wrote The Secret, like the, the that, that pickup artist book... I think you mean The Rules? The Rules of the Game? The, the Game. Rule, the that game. was it. Who wrote The Game asshole who wrote the game based his entire personality off of dr chalice in this movie that's true that's true i uh i know uh 
Oh, I forget his name. What's his name? Playpen? Yeah, Playpen. Uh, yeah, we'll call him that. Uh, Fupa? Fupa Playpen. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I, you guys, I, I still crush. I still crush every day. <laughs> every woman wants me. I still have the mustache, as you can see. As I can see, yes. Uh, you, I just, I, I work on feet all day, <laughs> and then I crush pussy all night. And in between, I'm drinking. In between, you're drinking. Yep. Wow. I, I'm 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 impressed that a a man of, of your age and who drinks as much as you is is has that much stamina. Well, yeah, I drink a lot of Monster Energy drinks. <laughs> In between the alcohol, yeah, uh, I see. I'll, I'll I'll pound like a natty daddy, <laughs> and then I'll uh, I'll have a monster. And I'll just sort of alternate, and it's really bad for my heart, but. <laughs> I uh, you know, yeah. I got to keep going. I got to investigate sure. masks. I got to scream into phones. Mm-hmm. Well, Tom Adkins was approaching fifty when he made this movie. So, like, how how are is he was he an appropriate age for you at the time? Uh, I was about sixty five. About sixty. Okay, so he's actually younger. Yeah, so I'm about a hundred five <laughs> now. Impressive. Impressive. Yeah, I uh, know. I'm, I'm like, I noticed that you had like an IV that you wheeled in here when you came I, in. I, well, and I rolled into a coffin just to save time. <laughs> like I, have, time. I have this coffin with wheels that just sort of, <laughs> it's motorized. It's sort of, you got some sharp corners here that's hard to go yeah. around. Not really handicap accessible, but. Not really. <laughs> so just, so you're like just a more macabre version of the person who wheels into the into the courtroom in, in Crybaby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't need an iron lung because I'm so healthy. Right. I just yeah, have a coffin. Yeah, you're so healthy. You just have a coffin, just in case. Yeah. Just in case. Well, still stay stay tuned for the rest of this episode. We might hear Dr. Chalice's final words. Maybe. We'll see how things go. I bet they'll be, I need a drink. I bet it. I bet but yeah, Dr. Chalice has a medical examiner friend who's also either a former, current, or future lover. Seems like current and future, maybe. Potentially. Uh, who he asked to keep in the loop about the uh, autopsy. Autopsy on the burnt-up boy. On the burnt-up boy, yes, exactly. He wants to know what's going on with this guy because he just he seemed he seemed weird. No one could be that Robert Palmer and yet not be Robert Palmer. No one could sneak into our unguarded hospital just like that. <laughs> Doctor Chalice goes to his favorite bar. Yes, to drink his cares away in the middle of the fucking day during a hospital shift. And this is when we first see we have our first instance of Halloween on the TV. Oh, okay. Uh, Halloween, a trailer for Halloween, calling it the immortal classic, Halloween, a movie that was released. Four years before this movie <laughs> being called an immortal classic. Okay. But anyway, uh, I mean, it is an immortal classic now, but yeah. they, whatever. They didn't know then. They didn't know. But they said that that movie is going to be played as part of the horror-thon on Halloween night, ending with the big Silver Shamrock giveaway at 9. I feel like in... This was 82, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. Okay. So, I feel like Halloween was not a before 9 o'clock movie in 82. <laughs> Uh, and also not point. as part that's of a, a very block, point. Yeah. a block that would definitely have children watching leading up to it. Right. Yeah. Well, like you look at the the horrorthon in the first movie, they're watching Thing from Another World. Mm. The horrorthon in the second movie, they're watching Night of the Living Dead. They're watching stuff that like could be shown on television in almost any era. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you were watching like yeah, full on Halloween yeah, at nine fuck o'clock. This movie. Yeah. 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 Take that. 
But yeah, so and then uh, it switches to cartoons. No, what where what, was it? Cartoons what, first. Well, what happened? I think it may have been cartoons first. And because then, I yeah. have a note. Okay, how long was he sitting there watching cartoons at the bar? <laughs> Before he finally said to the bartender, like, hey, change this. Like, Yes. I think he, he asked him to change it. He changes it to the Halloween station. They get the Silver Shamrock commercial again. And, and then he's he like, says, ah, turn it change off. it again. And the bar- I, I just want to clarify real quick. Sure, I was, sure. I was watching those cartoons for about six hours. I was there. <laughs> and then I had had enough. I was like, this is too much cartoons. Uh-huh. Uh, they open. They're not legally allowed to open as early as they do for me <laughs> but they know that i'm a big spender right yeah um, real big spender so the song I, is about you yeah i yeah. was just about to bring up sweet charity yeah a musical that is also part of the dan chalice canon <laughs> the dan there chalice was expanded be, universe is 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 more sprawling than the conjuring there universe. was supposed to be a whole dan chalice series and there is right it's yeah. called my life it's just not all of it has been adapted yet. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. A lot of people become more famous after they're dead. <laughs> yeah. So maybe in like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like that It's like that sequel to Raging Bull that Jake LaMotta keeps threatening to make. Uh, anyway, but so... Into the Bar comes... Well, well, first, my favorite line in the movie... Well, my, sec- my favorite bad line in the movie... Uh, he says, ah, fuck this Silver Shamrock commercial. Change the channel. And the bar says, Don't you have any Halloween what's spirit? What's the matter? Haven't you got any Halloween spirit? And it is so frustrating to me that the rest of this movie is not completely a Christmas carol, but with Dr. <laughs> Chalice being taught to accept Halloween. Well, Halloween, yeah. That should have been uh, Connell Cochran's entire plan. <laughs> yeah, Connell Cochran. Is just coming through, but you have to hold Halloween in your heart all throughout the year. The past, present, and the future, the spirits of all three. Ellie comes into the bar. Yes. Meet Dr. Chalice and recruits him into How her How did she find him? She says that she went to the hospital because <laughs> she knew that he worked there. And she said, and they told him. Said, they, go to Muldoon's. Her, yeah, they told her, go to Muldoon's if he's and not here. And she said, here. it's seven in the morning. That's exactly if he's not here, he'll be there. He won't be f- with his fucking kids. He hates those fuckers. They're probably in school. Oh, they're probably in school. They don't yeah. allow drinking in school, so they why don't. would he go there? Why would he go there? <laughs> but yes, uh, so she's investigating her dad's death. She's got this very uh, Kyle McLaughlin and Blue Velvet can-do attitude about yeah. investigating the underbelly of uh, Southern California. Much more forced than that. Like just oh, yeah. Very contrived. Oh, extremely contrived. Extremely contrived. It feels it feels like of, of even more like a 50s movie than Blue Velvet does, where Blue Velvet is like drawing attention to how strange this archetype is, and Halloween 3 is just fully embracing yes. this weird archetype of the let's solve it ourselves kind of shit. So she's investigating her dad's death. Dr. Chalice is, is all... Trying to act all Han Solo about everything, but he... apparently Doctor Chalice, I think we mentioned this before, mm-hmm. he had gone to the funeral. Which, as yes, a they doctor, men- they mentioned the funeral, and he was there. We don't get to see it. But as a doctor, I imagine a lot of patients die, especially if you're Dan Chalice, <laughs> yeah, who's always looking Doctor people... Shakes, yeah, always looking at people's feet when the yeah. problem is that they got a head wound. <laughs> well, well, Doctor uh, operates drunk, Doctor. Uh... <laughs> 
Dr. Bad Dad. Dr. Yeah, Doctor. <laughs> Every time there's a woman, he just can't figure out where to put his hands. Yeah. Uh, the acting in this movie is so hokey. This is a bit that also divides people. There are people either fucking hate or, like me, really enjoy the countdown element of this movie. The fact that it's a constant countdown until Halloween night. It definitely, again, like everything, gets better in the latter half of the film it than the does. first. I think their mistake was starting at eight days. I think you're right. I think that it would have worked better if they had just had less days to count down. Yeah, yeah. start at five. Five is always a good countdown Five's number. Five is a great countdown number. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, turns out Harry was the owner of a toy shop. I think I may have mm-hmm. mentioned that earlier. It was a, a nice little small business where the kids would come and mm-hmm. and he would had, was friends they with all of them. Play in the aisles. Play in the aisles. So it's the kind of toy store that uh, the dad from Hairspray could be proud of. Uh, well, and, he had a joke shop, more like Connell Cochran. Ah, okay. Suddenly the dad from Hairspray seemed a lot more sinister. Yeah. Anyway, so so Harry owned this toy shop, and the toy shop was being, even though he was the sweetest, most perfectest man ever, the t- toy shop was being run into the ground by the local shopping mall. Fuck that mall. Fuck that mall. Fuck that mall. I hope that they get infested with zombies. I hope they become a chopping mall. Oh! Someone should make that movie. Oh, yes. This movie would be so much better if Dick Miller was in there somewhere. <laughs> just just playing the drunk in the in the town later. <laughs> Every movie would be better with Dick Miller though. Yeah. Including Harry Potter. Make him Dumbledore. This movie has a has a bit of an anti capitalist streak to it. It does. Ellie realizes that the last time her father was seen before showing up acting all crazy in the hospital was when he was leaving to pick up more Silver Shamrock Halloween masks for the store. Because her father was a Philip K. Dick-esque paranoid who just wrote down every action he took. (laughs) Exactly. I find it weird. They go through all this talk about, like, oh, he was so much better than the big box stores and everything, and then he's, like, just peddling the same merchandise that you'd find in Target. Like, he's not... Like, I expected from the way they were describing him that he was Geppetto Listen, making all, all these toys kids, by hand. All these kids that he's best friends with, right. they come in and they're like, Mr. Grimbridge, when are you going to get the Silver Shamrock mask? He's like, right. I can't down, let down little Alito. <laughs> What's the name? Alito? Alito? Yeah. Okay, all right. Like yes. Justice Alito. Right. Alito and Gregaro and Alinovich. Yeah. Right. So, the factory is in a little town named Santa Mira, which is named after the town invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And apparently also features in the Dark Tower at some point. The... Mm, I don't recall. Okay. It's an old Irish farming community. One of those classic... Uh, Northern California, <laughs> Irish farming communities. Yeah, they're, they're, their source of confusion is all about, like, Irish people celebrating Halloween, which is not that weird, but also... No, also American people, people like, in America celebrating Halloween. Right. Like just... My big confusion was the double whammy of, a, like, a big Irish settlement in california yeah you don't often hear about that's that. not a, that's not like a huge thing and i can only also assume the fact that it's an irish settlement called santa mira a famously irish name which sounds like they drove out some uh, mexicans to get this land <laughs> why wouldn't they rename it sounds like saint patrick drove mm-hmm. out the snakes and then these santa mirans and then they went and drove out the mexicans well there you go there you go that's, that the Catholic Church fucking things up for Mexicans. The Catholic, this movie's anti-capitalist. It's anti. It's anti-Catholic as well. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> Tom Atkins at the end just screams, "Fuck the Pope! <laughs> Fuck the Pope!" <laughs> he, he 
he stops filming, he tears up a picture of the Pope and says, fight the real enemy, watch yes. off screen. Uh, so this is an old Irish farming community that more recently has been turned into a, a factory town uh, yep. for the Silver Shamrock factory, mm. which we find out later makes pranks, toys, robots, robots, uh, complex animatronics. Uh, the nature of their product is very vague. All we know for sure is that they sell masks where exactly three masks the first 20 minutes very popular the first 20 minutes of this movie throws so much at you yes and then the rest of the movie is so fucking nebulous about everything yes yeah it really is and and the nebulous bits and it gets better the more nebulous it gets i had a problem with the nebulosity of it okay well we'll get there when we get there uh dr chalice uh, and uh, Ellie, Ellie, yeah, decide that they're going to drive into Santa Mira, yeah, and investigate this a thing. Team up for the ages. He calls his 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 wife to tell her her that, he, that you know fuck, he was supposed, fuck his kids. He was supposed to <laughs> hang out with his he children. He was supposed to take his kids trick or treating, and he's like, I gotta go uh, run off and and play Hardy Boys with this this. Uh, very young lady that I'm with. Would that I've known for five minutes. I've known for literally five minutes. Well, maybe they had a really deep conversation at that funeral we never got to see. Maybe. Uh, they they fucked on the coffin. <laughs> the town is, like, comically and absurdly Irish. I want to I, I wanna Sorry. read my note for okay, this telephone conversation with, with, between, his, with his wife, yeah. with poor Annie from the first movie. Dan Chalice sucks so hard. Spend time with your kids. You're a doctor, not a detective. Like, literally, here's the big yeah, problem right. with this movie. Is Dr. Chalice. Yes. I mean, there are a lot of problems, Ultimately. but Dr. Chalice is a huge problem. But the writing, like, we, we, we're we used to shit where people who are not detectives become detectives. Absolutely. It's this a common mo- trope. It is a very common trope. This movie does nothing to set up that characteristic in Dan Chalice. It just happens. They really want him to be sort of a Mike Hammer He's like kind of an asshole, but he gets right. with all the ladies and he's going to get to the bottom of the case. Mike Hammer is a great comparison. No, that's exactly what they were going for. You're or absolutely like, right. You're more absolutely like right. maybe a Philip Marlowe, but definitely a hard-boiled detective. Right, but like a shitty hard-boiled detective. Exactly, like not, Mike not like Not like, uh, like sometimes Sam Spade and Philip Marlowe are depicted as more heroic. Mike, yes. Mike Hammer Mike Hammer's specifically. He's a horrible person. But they're definitely going for that. They're definitely going for... And it... One Tom Atkins cannot sell it. Unfortunately, no. Yeah, he cannot sell it. Tom and Atkins that, is a is, is I like Tom Atkins a lot, but he is an eighties also ram. He has he has he has charisma in this movie, but it's yeah. not the kind that this role needs. Right, you're right. Yeah, and the script does not help at all. No, so he's fighting against that as well. Mm-hmm. But also, just just the structure of the story flow does nothing to set Dan Ch- like. Uh, granted, the dude setting himself on fire is mis- mysterious, but we never sure. like feel that he's consumed by this mystery. Right? There's nothing about it that like, if, if there had been like even like a, a one line of dialogue about backstory about like I can't lose another one or something, or something where it's like Dan Chalice doesn't get with every lady he sees, and suddenly like, 
oh, I get to hang out with this pretty young girl. This, this, like, this pretty young lady is... My, is, I'm, is, I'm divorced, yeah. I'm single, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. Like Maybe I'm not, he wants to hang out with his kids, but his wife will not let him hang out with his kids. There's another thing where it's like, I have nothing else to do, so fuck it. Let's give go to Santa Give us a reason Mira. to like him, please. Give, it, give us a reason for him to do what he does. Give us a, a reason. A lot yeah. of characters do things for no conceivable reason. Sure. Actually, we're speaking, going to get to a big one here soon. Speaking of Mike Hammer, there's a lot of stuff that just kind of happens in, in what was the movie again? Kiss Me Deadly. In Kiss Me Deadly. And it makes sense sometimes in retrospect, but a lot of times, like when it's happening, like that first scene where she's in the car, yeah. you don't know what the fuck is going on, but it's still engaging as hell. It is. And, and it works. It adds this weird ambiance we don't need to talk about kiss me dead you're right now. okay as much as we we watched that movie once a year ago and it has watched, now become so was it much really of, a year ago yeah, that we watched that because we watched that out in the beanbag chairs really yeah i thought we watched it in here anyway it doesn't matter but yeah oh but that has become sneezy. such a part of our film language uh, yeah i think it's 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 like one of my favorite movies i think at this point but yeah, uh, so they go into Santa Mira. Santa Mira is upsettingly and offensively Irish. It, all they need is the fucking Notre Dame mascot running oh, down the God. street. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> eating a potato. Every character seems like a character. I was about to say a character straight out of the Quiet Man, but that's giving it too much credit. Every person that they meet in this town seems like a character out of a Disney, the D- Disney Channel original movie, Luck of the Irish. Like it, it's just. It's just bad Irish stereotypes. Yes, and every building name is either an Irish last name. Most of them are just called like, Shamrocks. Yes, stuff. yeah. It's like the bank is like Shamrock Bank and shit like that. But even creepier, is surveillance that there are surveillance everywhere. cameras everywhere. So they decide that they're going to stay at a motel they saw on their way into town, figuring mm. that that's on the outskirts of town, so maybe won't be as scene yeah and uh they can stop there disguise themselves as husband and wife and they'll pose as buyers for the silver shamrock mask right, and she already has a connection to her dad's uh toy store anyway now they say that plan and it kind of makes sense to me when they say it and then they pull into i mean once you've committed to this it still doesn't make sense that they're here but yeah. like once you've committed to this that seems like a decent plan yeah they go to the motel because we don't see the motel until after they say this. Yes, they the go Rose to the motel, of Shannon. And, yeah, and the motel is immediately another one of these cartoonishly Irish things. And the the proprietor is straight out of Waking Ned Divine. <laughs> and he imme- Faith and Bagari, you want to sleep here? Exactly, and immediately starts talking about how how um, Connell Cochran, Dano Hurley, Hurley. Dan O'Hurley's character, Colin Cochran, is the owner of the factory, and oh, what a lovely man is he! Never oh, a better man you ever met, I tell oh, you. He's, uh, he, he, yeah, he's after me, Lucky Charms. And he's like a five-leaf clover. He's like, <laughs> he's, he's, exactly. Eight fucking leaves on this clover. He is <laughs> so many fucking leaves. I'm edging. Anyway, uh, he it's it's such a it's such a red flag immediately. Like it's it's it's. I would keep going. Like, if, yeah. if my plan was to not be observed, I would immediately go further out of town and find any other kind of motel. Well, I believe the reason that they stay at this motel is because they've run out of time in the day. Well, originally they just say, hey, let's let's uh, get a room at the motel. We'll figure something out. And Ellie wants to continue investigating. And then he, he says, later, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> just as oh, and he needs he a drink. And, and I need he a needs dr- a drink. I'm I'm tired, and I need a drink. Favorite Tom Atkins delivery of the movie, because it's so fucking weird. But anyway, that happens later. They stop at the place. 
Dan Chalice tells Ellie, like, hey, distract the, the patio Irish. Yeah. Uh, Rafferty. His name is Rafferty. Yes. Uh, while I go do some detective shit. That, well, I and, look, while I look at the register, which is clearly just the director saw that scene in Psycho where they do this, and he was just like, I'm going to include the scene in my movie because I like Psycho. It's like, well, yeah, I get you like Season of the Witch too. Why? Stop doing this. Also, here's... <laughs> Have a have make a choice. Here's my note for this part. Yeah, literally, who the fuck does Dan Chalice think he is? <laughs> Looking at guest books, like who the fuck are you? You're a drunk bad dad doctor. Like, and again, this yeah. would be a great thing. Like, with a little bit more character development, sure. Be like, I'm just some schmuck, but here's my chance to be a hero. Yeah, like maybe maybe like his kids don't like him. And he like he wants he wants to be kind of like uh, a Murphy in RoboCop. He wants to be yeah. a hero that they can look up to. So he's like, I'm doing exactly like the detectives on TV. They're always watching. Do I'm oh, I'm investigating. And then at the end, he realizes, oh, I was woefully unprepared for the the shit storm that was coming for me. And that could be like really, uh, like not only scary but like affecting emotionally. Where you're like, oh no, he's not only yeah. dying, he's dying. Uh, unloved and betrayed and yeah. in shame. Give him some sort of motivation for sure. anything that happens. Yeah. It's funny, Laurie Strode has very little character development or personality in the first movie, and she still comes off as a completely three-dimensional character, as opposed to this guy, who we know a lot about, and is nothing. Well, because, from what I recall, Laurie Strode is not a very active character in the plot. Things happen to her. Right. You don't need motivation for her to survive. Yeah, they just kind of, they give you enough time with her to make you like her and to... To want her to live. ...establish that she's a very real person. Like, all yes. the acting is very, from her, is very understated. Her friends are totally over the top. And then more people arrive at the Rose of Shannon Motel, and I hate every single one of these fucking characters. You and me, you and me both. And it's funny, every single person who arrives at the motel tries to kill Dr. Chalice on the way in. Yes! It's, there's there's two groups of people, and each one of them almost runs over Dr. Chalice with their car, and sadly does not do that. That's a, that's a pretty common in my <laughs> life. Uh, a lot of people try to kill me. I don't know if you've ever seen <laughs> the film John Whip. I, oh, uh, you mean, do you mean... John Whip, huh? John Whip, yeah. I don't know if we've uh, done this particular bit from Brad uh, on the show before. <laughs> John Whip, uh, is that the Keanu Reeves movie? Yeah, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. where everyone's trying to kill him. Yes. That's much like my life. Uh, oh, is that also part of the, I, uh, of the Dr. Chalice I'll be walking universe? through an airport and people will be attacking me. Yeah. And no cops will help. <laughs> They'll just look at you and be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I can't hear what they're saying. Yeah. I'm my hearing's pretty bad these days. <laughs> this still happens. Yeah. Even as I'm rolling through the airport in my coffin. Right, right, roller. right. Yeah. Um No, I think I think uh I think I remember now that you mention it, I saw like there was CCTV of one of the attacks on you that was played on the news last yeah. night and i remember seeing it and in the background you can see a cop watching the whole thing yeah and as you, as you, you can read his lips he just he just kind of says please let it end just let this monster end." yeah i still back the blue though you know uh <laughs> of course you do. thin blue line all the way 
Yeah, you seem like that kind of like that kind of guy. Seem like that kind of guy. I could have been a cop if I didn't like feet so much. <laughs> I'm not sure that's really an impediment to the the process. Of well, a cop. you know, you didn't live my life. Uh, that's true. I did not live your life, but apparently John Whip did. Well, yeah. <laughs> Whip it good, I say. Whip it good. That is that is what Keanu Reeves says in every one of those movies. <laughs> just... I've never seen. <laughs> shut the fuck up, Dan John. <laughs> okay, shut the fuck up, Dan. So, uh, at uh, two separate groups arrive, uh, uh, almost killing Doctor Chalice. The uh, first one is a is a is just a. F- a sitcom neighbor family. Yes. Uh, yeah. it, this felt like it became National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, literally. Like, it, yeah, it, literally. It, it feels it's that like fucking character. It, 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 it's, yeah, no, I, I did not make that connection before now, but like, that's exactly, what's his name? Randy Quaid. That's exact. It's Randy Quaid and his, and his crew yeah. from that movie. They're the only difference real... is that they own a business and instead of dressing in long underwear and shit, they're like dressed in Hawaiian clothes. But the they're time. just super fucking tacky, trashy people. Yeah. You're they immediately have, they have a really, them. They have a really annoying kid that is a constant terror to everyone around him mm-hmm. and everyone's annoyed with everybody and they're always yelling at each other and like, hey, like your mother-in-law, you know, it's like yes. that, that sort of shit. Just... And it's like, yeah, the minute they show up, you're like, oh, God, die. And granted, this is part of the horror movie design where it's like, they're yeah. kill fodder. Right. So you don't want the audience to empathize with them. Otherwise, it's sure. not fun. But so many horror movies make the mistake of just making the kill fodder annoying as shit. Killfather doesn't have to be annoying. Again, doesn't. The built-in comparison is there to the first movie. Uh, Annie and I do not remember the the name of the other girl. Totally, her. Uh, they are not bad people. No, in the movie, they are frivolous people. Yes, they are. Well, they're teenagers, right? They're 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 just teenagers trying to get off and trying to avoid their responsibilities, uh, like. Every teenager ever who's ever existed. Even, like, you can look at, like, some of the, like, the first Friday the 13th movie where every character, uh, at least in, in Halloween, there's, like, a, like a rule if you have sex, you're dead. Yeah. Every character in Friday the 13th, in the original Friday the 13th, is fucking. And they all, and and even the final girl has, has we know from dialogue, fucked very recently. Yes. But they are all... Kind of likable, except for the comic relief character. Kind of likable, and you don't... you The kills are effective, but at the same time, you you don't need to hate yourself through most of the movie to watch yeah, it. I don't want to be annoyed while I right. watch a fucking movie. You hear that? Alien vs. Predator Requiem? Fuck you. Anyway, so yeah. Also, Alien vs. Predator Requiem, turn up the lights. Please, God. If you're listening. If, if, if you're listening, Alien vs. Predator Requiem, sentient film. <laughs> we, we, we We'd like to see... The fight scenes in your movie. If we weren't already running long, I would do a bit where I pretended to be Alien vs. Predator Requiem, <laughs> uh, but we do not have the time. That's okay. And then also to arrive at the hotel is Marge. Marge. Unfortunately, not Marge from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. No. That not would make Marge, the movie Marge. much better. But uh, Marge is another person who has been purchasing masks to sell in her store, mm-hmm. and uh, an order is backed up, and she's all pissed off. Now, the question I have for Marge is, why are you restocking Halloween masks, uh, I believe, two days before Halloween? That just seems like a bad investment on your part. You're going to have a lot of trouble moving that yeah. product. Yeah, in the next no, two it's, days. it's not. Yeah. It's, 
So yes, uh, after meeting these crazy people, and Tom Atkins even comes into those, he's like, everybody's crazy around here. <laughs> this isn't a hotel, it's a madhouse. That's, that's what he says. Oh my God, basket case yeah, is back. That's what I was referencing. But uh, I he, think he actually Tom says Atkins that. says, this place is a zoo. I oh, think. that's what he says. He's this place. Not nearly as effective. Oh my God, Dr. Chalice should have been played by the... Uh, the front desk worker at the hotel. From, <laughs> I mean, every. I mean, Forrest Gump should have been played by that actor. <laughs> that actor's great. Hey! He been so much. Life always said. Ma always said life was like a box of fucking chocolates. Anyway, sometimes you get Belial. Sometimes you get ah uh, fucking no. Lieutenant Dan, uh, your legs. You don't have any. Lieutenant Dan used to be, live here, and he ran out and became street pizza. I don't know what to tell you. We don't have time for this bit. <laughs> it's all right. We'll, 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 I know there will be an edit. It's fine. Uh, anyway, uh, so yes, Doctor Chalice finds Harry's name in the guest book. Yes, he does. So he, he found was... a clue, even though wow, they they already knew he came to visit the Silver Shamrock Factory. Yeah. They had a good idea. They had a good idea. But anyway, so in the scene that pisses me off the most. It pissed me off too, brother. Yeah, I get it. Believe me. Um, out of the, the only part of the movie where I'm like, no, can't, can't, can't suspend stand your by, disbelief. Can't suspend my disbelief or stand by this choice at all. Like, this is just bad. So bad. Uh, it is the worst. There are a lot of forced romances in movies. This is the worst this one. This is the most contrived. Mm -hmm. The dumbest shit ever yes ellie but it is almost iconic for how dumb it is like it's so bad i guess it's, the, it's like it's it's not un, it's not every day you can find the absolute worst example of something so by that it is a novelty okay but yes so he says he says that i'm tired and i need a drink so yes. we're not going out tonight he's like you so so uh uh, you can take the bed. Where do you want me to sleep? I'll sleep in the car. I'll sleep yeah. better than the floor. Yeah, where like, do you want me to sleep? And she says, where do you want where to do sleep? You sleep, Dr. Chalice? I think you know that answer. No, is just like, that's a stupid fucking question. Oh, it's like, yeah. that's a stupid question, Ellie. And they... Uh, now, this... When I say the worst scene, it's... I mean a combination between this scene and the scene that's coming up later. Because yeah. despite that line, they don't immediately fuck... They there's a couple scenes in between. Uh, we get a Jamie Lee Curtis cameo. Oh, do we? I didn't yes, notice. Yes, uh, the announcer, the PPA system in town. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis announces the curfew. that the town is a curfew, a 6 p.m. curfew, which Doctor Chalice hears and says, "Sounds like a good time to get a beer." And like, goes apparently, and, everyone just fucking walks around after this curfew. Yeah. So Doctor Chalice goes directly. You seem to be wanting to say something. Oh uh, well, the surveillance cameras are in full action. Full action, and they seem to be using Game Boy camera technology. Oh my god, I forgot. It's yes, really fucking low quality to the point where it seems almost pointless to have them it's it's so bad it's it's uh which is worse because we recently saw this uh, iconic uh weird 70s sci-fi film as well what do you think is worse the robovision in this or westworld because they're both pretty bad westworld makes more sense to me okay whereas like as long as the robot can interpret that sure sure right uh this is something that presumably although granted mm -hmm. maybe a robot is watching maybe a robot will mm -hmm. We'll talk about Spoilers. it. Spoilers. Uh, but yes. But so. Dan Chalice is out. He got himself a, a pint. He goes out. He gets, um, yeah, I think he, he think he gets like a couple of, like a case of beers. Because I, I he's, think he's drinking liquor. Oh, yeah. Because he has it in a brown bag. 
That's right. Okay. Well, maybe he gets multiple balls because I remember him giving one to the person he meets. Yes, he runs into Tom Waits in an alley. <laughs> God, I wish. He runs into... God, he, I fucking wish. He fucking looks like Tom Waits. He does. He does not sound like Tom Waits, and he does not have Tom Waits' charisma. <laughs> no. <laughs> Tom Waits' no one else, No one but Tom Waits has Tom Waits' charisma. It's a Well, scary... I, uh, I want to thank you for saying that, Billy. That, You're welcome. That's so damn sweet of you. <laughs> No one but Tom Waits can be Tom Waits. He is the—he's a very unique force in the universe, and I'm—I'm I'm glad he's alive. But uh, but yeah, Dan Chalice runs into this homeless dude. Homeless dude playing exactly the pretty much the same role as the old homeless dude in uh, the Shadow Over Innsmouth. Okay. Keep keep fucking referencing Shadow Over Innsmouth on this show, but it's the exact same character in the exact same scene where he meets a drunk, crazy man in an alley. Who says? Ah, he runs the into and took over this the town is ruining everything. Uh, they're gonna kill me tonight. I know, but fuck off. It's an exposition drunk. Uh, it's an exposition drunk, and like a, a very common fixture of horror movies as well. Well, actually, more common is the the sort of the crazy Ralph because that's the name of yes. the character who filled this role in. Uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, but he doesn't actually give any exposition. He just says it's got a death curse, but. This guy's comparatively much more helpful than Crazy Ralph. He is, because yeah. he's just an exposition dump. Yes. And exposition drunk. Call him Call him by his uh, his form, formal title. Here's where I noticed Tom Atkins. Uh, I noted Tom Atkins is not a good enough actor for this part. They're really trying to do a hard-boiled detective thing. Yeah. The script doesn't help. Everything is so contrived. Which is funny, because they literally have him playing a hard-boiled detective in the, another movie, Night of the Creeps. Oh, yeah? And he's great. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, think, I have I've not seen the full movie to be fair, but like in the clips that I've seen, every clip of him is like, it's great. That's where he has his Tom Atkins' most iconic line of his career. Hey, good! I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. The bad news is they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the script and also the director. He's clearly yeah. not a fucking director. If you um, if I, if you haven't seen the It miniseries. There's a, it's a bad script. It's exactly the same thing. It's a bad script based on a book that I have not heard many good things about. I enjoyed it, but okay. I read it in middle school. Sure. And it had a lot of sex and cussing. Sure. I'm sure that was great for you at the time. Yes. But uh, it's, it's a, it's, but it is a bad script. And especially in the second half, you have a lot of really great actors giving terrible performances. That second half of it seems tricky for everybody. It is a difficult, like, yeah, I think most people think of it and they think of that first half with the yeah. kids and they just try to ignore the second half. But uh, what I was saying is everything about this is so contrived. Mm -hmm. What if Dan Chalice didn't run into this exposition, exposition drunk? He sure. wouldn't fucking know anything. It's just fucking happenstance that he runs into a man. Right. And also, in, in exchange for information, yes. Dan Chalice has to give the exposition drunk... A drink of his bottle. Okay. Dan Chalice is a motherfucker who will meet a homeless man in an alley <laughs> and just be like, yeah, sure, we can share a bottle. Yeah, we can share a bottle. Sure, fuck it. I already got hep C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. That, that's true. I do have hep C. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying, Dr. Chalice. I uh, have all the heps, yeah. A through J. <laughs> a through J? Yeah, they invented a couple just for me. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Uh, when you, how many STDs do you have? Well, or ST, I, don't, I think we could call them STIs now. I don't keep count. You don't keep count. I'm not a romantic, <laughs> but 
So many, so very few people are these days. I'm the last of them, man. Oh, you are a romantic. I'm, I'm the, I, well, no. <laughs> but if I were, I'd Dr. be the Chalice, last of them. Dr. Chalice, you're very inconsistent. Well, <laughs> listen, I hit Muldoon's about five this morning. I'm sure you did. The bartender wasn't there, but I... You no, helped yourself. There's a key uh, up there. I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, okay. But, uh, yeah, and I just... You sat there and watched cartoons for I'm six so, hours. Oh, I wish someone was here to change this channel. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm sorry if I can't fucking follow your rules. <laughs> you know what? Fair enough. You're 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 a rebel and a, and a, and a hero, Dr. Chalice. Thank you. But uh, this exposition drunk tells... A bunch of things about the town, about sure. Colonel Cochran. Yep, and basically it, it, it comes down to the idea that, uh, like we already knew, the town was suddenly, almost overnight, converted from a old farming community mm. into a factory town. But what we didn't know is that all of the employees in the factory were brought from outside. Really? from Nobody, nobody in the town was ever actually hired to work for Colonel Cochran. And there are some, most people in the town seem fine with that. Uh, And uh, I don't remember if he gives any explanation for that or if they ever talk about that because most of the people in town are are like, like the person who owns the motel that they're staying is like, oh, Colin Cochran, what a sainted man. Oh, he's he's like my own mother. He's like my own mother. He's like my father. My mother, my sister, my my daughter. But but he says that uh, there, there are... People who have theories about why the rest of the town is interested in, but I don't mm. remember if the movie itself says that says whether or not. But he says, "Yeah, and everybody else will get with the program, but not me." And I know he can hear me, but fuck off, uh, Colonel Cochran, fuck off, and, and the road your horse rode it, horse you rode in on. There are no actual f bombs in this movie. I just no, I know, and I'm I'm doing Tom Atkins is a much more sweary fella. Well, because you're 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 doing uh, Doctor Chalice, Doctor Damn Chalice. Yeah, this is the sanitized, uh, young, sexy version of Doctor Chalice yes, we got in the this movie. Is, yeah, this is the Hollywoodized version of him. This is Mel Brooks' young Chalice. <laughs> <laughs> young Chalice sounds like a fucking. Uh, bad soap opera from England. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like a, a sexy soap opera about the Holy Grail. <laughs> I would absolutely go for a Tudor style sex sexual rom-com show, not rom uh sexual soap opera show. Historical drama. A historical drama about King but instead of about Henry VIII it's about King Arthur. Okay. And all the sex shenanigans that take place in the court. And all that shit going on, I, that would be it. Wouldn't be good, but I would watch everything. You would watch I would, it. I would watch it because yeah, you're absolutely. a dumb slut. Because I'm a dumb dumb slut, as I, I think as, as in, your shirt says, as my shirt literally says, uh, dumb slut. And I, I can't think of how where to take that joke. And on the back it says Black Lives Matter. <laughs> <laughs> on the on always the back repping, it says, always repping the causes. All, well, it says that on my ass. Well, yeah. It's like it's different brands. It says on my shirt, and then I have like these these leggings that say yeah. "Black Lives Matter" across the ass. Yeah. So uh, Doctor Chalice gets done talking with the drunk. Is like, thank you for the exposition. Gives him a bottle. Gives him a bottle. Goes home. The drunk wanders out to his storage container home that he's built. Yeah, just like out uh, in the middle of nowhere. 
And then the fucking posse comes for him. The Robert the, Palmer. The Robert Palmer posse. The Ro- the Robert Palmer posse. The Robert Palmer posse uh, tracks down the the homeless man, and the main Robert Palmer posse uh, man in this scene and in a scene coming up is actually played by Dick Warlock. Okay. Who was the actor who played Michael Myers in Halloween Two? Fun. Yeah, and I believe also did was a stunt coordinator on both of those movies as well as a ton of other horror movies. And a great name. And a great name, Dick Warlock. Absolutely. You should change your name to Dick Warlock. I'm comfortable being Billy Martell. But, well, uh, I think that's a wrong career move. I do want to play a character named Dick Warlock in something. Okay. Just like a warlock who controls people's dicks. You yeah. Know? Yeah. He's like mm. the, the perfect enemy for Dr. Chalice. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, If so- a warlock ever controlled my dick, <laughs> I'd... Uh, I'd use my judo skills on that warlock and oh uh, wow oh know, man just uh, judo skills yeah I uh, I never formally studied but you know <laughs> comes natural sure sure uh, sure it's funny that you would find the one martial art that has the least to do with feet <laughs> well you know you can't take your work home with you <laughs> fair enough uh, but yeah so. Hear that, haters? Michael Myers is in this movie, and he rips the homeless man's head off. This is a great head ripping off. I love this head ripping off. Great head ripping off. Great head ripping off. Speaking of great kills, uh, that night as a very upsetting sex scene is taking place between Ellie and and, uh, Dr. Chalice. First, we get some Marge stuff. Marge uh, berates Ellie about something. Uh, She's just fucking... I I don't know what she said. Yeah. My note is just shut up, Marge. (laughs) Leave people alone. She's actually being nice to Ellie in that scene. She's just using Ellie as someone to talk to to complain about the factory and say more things about... Yes, more exposition. More exposition that really doesn't matter in the end of the film because I didn't note it down. But she uh, goes in back into her motel room. This is intercut with that upsetting sex scene. Uh, and Let's we, talk about this first, and then we'll yeah. get to the sex scene. But uh, he, she realizes that the metal tag has fallen off. The silver shamrock tag that's on all yeah. the masks has all fallen masks. off, and there's a chip in that chip. There's like a chip in that chip. And so she starts... Uh, fiddling with it with a little like screwdriver or a pen or something and she ends up well okay hold on okay that comes in a bit because yeah it's in her cut sort of but now we see uh ellie who i forgot did not know the name of so i mostly referred to as miss lady <laughs> fair enough which is an Aquid reference yeah. We see her through frosted glass, like completely nude through frosted glass. Yes, we do. And for whatever reason, this made me feel so weird. Yes. Like it's for whatever reason, even though it was an actual nudity. Right. It felt so much more sleazy than nudity. We have seen so much nudity in the films that we've watched. And I've watched fucking almost, uh, I think I've watched six or seven Russ Meyer movies this year alone a famously exploitative film so i've seen a ton of nudity for whatever reason yeah seeing this woman through frosted glass yeah felt uncomfortable it felt the same way to me and i think it's because and from what i understand the actress who did the movie had a great time she enjoyed doing it she she was not wonderful upset with how things went but it feels when you're watching it because she's so much younger she's like a full half of tom atkinson's yeah. age in this movie and uh, the romance comes out of fucking nowhere. nowhere. It 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 highlights the exploitative nature of the whole thing, and it feels like 
this shouldn't be happening. Like sometimes yes. in red letter media reviews of movies, it's when uh, actors will take their top off and they'll say like, oh, not for this movie, honey, not for this movie. Yeah. It's that kind of feeling in your head is like, oh, please, <sighs> this, no, this, this isn't, this is not earned. This is not good. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's that for me, but it's just I, something about it made me feel uncomfortable sure at the very least that's that's i think that's why it made me feel uncomfortable gotcha. again we've we've seen valerie's week of wonders like yes. we've seen tons of nudity and this for some reason this like i can't really see anything but it's there it's it, just it too just much felt too much yeah. this this made us clutch our pearls a little bit but she comes out of the shower and dan chalice is there and everyone wants dan chalice mm -hmm. so she starts coming on to him yes and for whatever reason yeah on this trip to investigate her father's death, <laughs> where she packed very lightly, as the hotel proprietor noted. Yeah, they... they it's a motel. I'm sorry. It's a motel. That's okay. They left in a hurry. They left in a hurry. She has brought lingerie with her mm -hmm. because she knew she was going with Dan Chalice. She knew. She knew what was up. She knew, she, she was planning this. She Let was me like, ask you a yeah. serious question. Okay. And this might deal more with astrology than science. Okay, okay. Do you think some women are born knowing they're going to fuck Dan Chalice? <laughs> they're just they're just born in the, like from a very young age and they just have this understanding. Oh no, this is a super uncomfortable idea that I don't want to <laughs> that I no longer want to explore. Never mind. And I no longer find to be a profitable bit. It's like it's it's like the imprinting from Twilight. Yes. <laughs> just And this sex scene does not there's not a lot of it. Not but what we see is fucking gratuitous as shit. Like he's it's, sucking on her nipple. It's he's sucking her, but it's like, again, it's gratuitous as shit. But it's we've seen gratuitous as shit. It's we've not seen, the tone of this movie. That's what it is. Exactly. It's not the tone. This movie does not deserve this scene. The, the scene sleaze is so comes bad. Out of, and as you were saying, they have no chemistry. Well, this is why because of what you said earlier. This is yeah. completely not germane to the original. This is just inserted sleaze. It's not yeah. natural sleaze. Yeah, no, this was not in the original script. This is just something that they put in there because they're like, hey, this is around the time where we usually it's have a sex scene. fake and artificial and it doesn't... Yeah. I love sleazy movies. I love greasy movies. Sure. I love, uh, but it, it has to come from a natural place of sleaziness. Right, absolutely. It can't be like, we're going to be sleazy to make bucks. Or if it's going to be that sleazy, like... It needs to. It needs to have something else to it. It needs to either be there needs to, so again, absurd in how out of its way it goes that like it's funny. These characters have been together for like ten minutes on screen, if that. Ten minutes on screen. Ten minutes in universe, almost like and basically. Yeah. Grant, they had a long drive to Santa Mira, and they did have that wonderful time at the funeral, yeah. which we never got to see. Yeah, but yeah. So and it's yeah. She, he's he's sucking on her nipple, Here's, and she's like stroking his hair. She looks so bored. This is the point where I was like starting to wonder. Is she actually a bad guy? Yeah. Is she like a plant who's like, for whatever re reason, luring ace detective doctor, <laughs> Dr. Dan Chalice. Chalice to Santa Mira, the only person who could thwart Connell Cocker and he needs to get the jump on him. Oh, it's like, that's, I, so I was like, is that, is that why, like I, my mind went to anything to like justify anything. what we're seeing. And anything would be better than than this, <laughs> than, than what we have on screen. And now uh, it it closes out on the nipple sucking, and yes. it goes back to Marge. Marge is fiddling with her chip. Yes, fiddling with the chip, and then suddenly she seems to uh, poke a bit. Like she takes a, a hairpin, that's a it. bobby that's what pin she does. out. Yeah, 
and she's she's fiddling with it, and she she touches something that she shouldn't have, and uh, as so did Ellie in the other room, and uh, uh, penises, but um, chap, uh, and a. Uh, 80s, Do you think Ellie got pregnant? I I think she. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> Birth is a miracle. <laughs> And all sex should result in contraception. It, it, the only, the only uh, godly purpose of, of sex is contraception. Absolutely, but uh, the uh, or conception, not contraception. Oh right, yeah, that's the opposite. <laughs> Sorry, they're both c words. Whatever. Much like Doctor Dan Chalice, I've had a few to drink. Right, <laughs> contraception, conception, chalice. They're all in the same b- b- ballpark. I I confused the two. That's why I have two children. I I figured. I figured. Uh, but yeah, so the uh, blue Ghostbusters '80s special effect light, uh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, blasts out of Luke, the thing. Luke Skywalker's lightsaber comes right. out of the fucking chip <laughs> and, and into Marge's dome and into Marge's mouth specifically, like mouth into the side. It, it blasts her. I love '80s again. Lasers. The contrast with what's going on with Ellie in the next room, <laughs> getting blasted in the mouth. Uh, but yeah, the the uh, I love '80s laser effects. There's something about oh, them. Yeah. That's so good that no other era has. I don't know, but like they, they blast her in the mouth. Again, it cuts over to them having sex. <laughs> Tom Atkins is fully just in her boobs. Yes, and she's like, "Did you hear something?" It's like, Vroom! and then it just cuts back, and we have one of the coolest, the best effect in the movie, in my opinion. In uh, my opinion, the best effect in the movie. It's 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 what rivals it. Uh, Point it out when we get to it. Point out when we get. To I'm it. just no. I'm just thinking about the head being ripped off. But like, I think I this think is that, so much gnarlier than this the head. is so fucking gnarly. The head looks a bit fakey. You like, well, it is shot in shadow, so it probably looked even faker in, yeah. in the lighting. But like, it's so, it's so good. This and is it's so cool. So fucking gnarly. And like the movie it. has been so lame up to this point. This is when the movie officially became yes. the head pulling off was cool. This is when the movie officially becomes awesome. Imagine if the sandworms from Dune, yeah, like gotten a the fly s transporter accident with a human. <laughs> yeah, this is the early stage of her face transforming. She they they the prosthetic that she has on her face is just like her entire like her lips and everything are just been burned off of her face her teeth are all fucked up she's got like teeth jutting out of her gums in random places mm-hmm. her eyes are still open she's still alive twitching and 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 convulsing with just her entire face ripped apart i cannot describe it in a cool enough way you just got to watch it yeah and a bug crawls out of her face and across her out of her face hole mm-hmm. and across the rest of her face as she lies there dying and it is so fucking it's cool. It's the best part of the movie for me. I, I have a different best part of the movie, but it, okay. is, it is up there. It is up there for me. But uh, we then get introduced, finally, to the main villain and best character in the movie. Absolutely. Colin I Cochran. immediately love Dan O'Hurley in this role. How can you not? How He's can you not? Su- he is such fucking charisma. Oh my god, I love Dan. Uh, I, I love uh, Daniel Hurley he, so so fucking much in every movie he's in, but especially this one. Uh, and his uh, the, the the crap around him emphasizes how good he is, and his dialogue is no better than anybody else's. But he it sells isn't. it. But <laughs> he is he is a fucking huckster. He is mm-hmm. smooth. He he shows up on the scene. Yeah. Uh, the 
So doctors the, have been called, the paramedics have been called to assist well, Marge. Paramedics that he specifically admits work for his factory. They're and not are going to take hospital. her back to the factory. To the factory. Some They're going to treat her at the factory, which immediately... Admittedly, Fucking our characters peak are... Peak capitalism. Right. Our characters are not dumb enough that they don't recognize that as odd, but they don't do anything about it, so whatever. Factories are where they make things, not fix people. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, he comes... He, Colonel Cochran, for no reason, is on site as they're taking the body yes. away. He pulls up... We've seen... I forgot to mention, we've seen his limo drive yeah, he's, spookily past he's several been times like, uh, the He's been the shark and jaws in yeah. the background. And then he comes in, like the shark and jaws at the at sort of the tail end of the movie in the third act, and he steps out of his, at his limo and... Immediately, it's like, everything's all right here. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, there's just a little bit of a problem. Don't worry, we'll get her taken care of. He's we'll like, take her back to the factory. And immediately becomes like a horror icon on the same level of Vincent Price. Like, Absolutely. He is so fucking camp he and done good in this movie. More, it's He should have done more of this shit. He should Absolutely. have done. Absolutely. Uh, but if he, I, I would, speaking of horror icons, I would... I love Christopher Lee as 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 Sauron and I, Saruman, and I wouldn't change his casting, but I would also like to see Dan O'Hurley playing an, an evil wizard. Well, I'd like to see fucking Billy Drago Saruman. Oh my god! <laughs> and I wouldn't even watch Lord of the Rings to see it, but I'd right. like I'd like it to exist. Your love of the halflings, Gandalf. Anyway, wizards, wizards. <laughs> Too many orcs around here. Uh, so yeah, and uh, oh, I, another thing I wanted to point out in both this movie and The Fog, ha- feature scenes where Tom Atkins get with women far too young and attractive for him in the movie, oh, and yeah. he he bangs Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, okay. And again, in a very contrived thing, she's a hitchhiker. He picks up. They cut away, and they cut back to them, and they're just fucking. I mean, that's the rules of the road. That though. is the rules of the road, as I learned from Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. I learned a lot of things from Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Yes, my love of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. <laughs> How did I not know that's where you were going with that? Anyway, so uh, we then we we get a quick flashback to the medical examiner who reveals that. Uh, they can't find any body parts in the car. No, it's all just gears and machinery. It's all just ash and... Uh, gears. Yeah, and Dan Chalice is like, for whatever reason, there's a running a running thing where it's like, yeah, yeah. I'll take you to dinner, I'll fuck you real yeah, hard just, afterwards. Just absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Just because we need to believe that Dan Chalice is the coolest person in the world. Right. The only reason the scene is there is, A, to establish that there's no body parts in the car, and B, to establish that at this motel, that definitely is owned by Colonel Cochran, is owned by Colonel Cochran, and yeah. they, everything that they've said and done has been listened to. Yeah. So the gig is up, but they don't know that. So they go to the factory anyway, maintaining their disguise as husband and wife. And the National Lampoon family is there as well. Yes. They are the most prodigious sellers of uh, silver shamrock masks in the whole country, yes. and they've been awarded a special prize of a tour of Colonel Cochran's factory. But Ellie and uh, Dan learn that Ellie's father apparently did pick up his shipment, according even to the factory people. They don't know where it is, right? And uh, but they're like, we don't have the, the shipment, and they're like, well, I'm sorry, he, he did pick it up. They're about to leave when Colonel Cochran comes in and introduces himself to and and 
uh, introduces the family and says, oh, we're going to give you a, a tour. And then he sees them and says, and we're going to replace your order! Which should have clued them in that he was listening to them the entire time. True. Because he came in after. But these characters are too stupid for that. But also I want to point out, day before Halloween... Again, what the fuck are they going to do with that that Ex- order? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, they they can't move that shit. Better movie, any movie? Yeah, no. <laughs> not hard. I, I seriously, low bar. I know I keep ragging. I seriously love this movie, but it is terrible anyway. But yeah, save the Connell Cochran reveal until now. Sure, and he's fucking Willy Wonka. He basically is though. Like the fact but that he more, brought people in more. from out of town. Sure, have him wearing a full, like, third Doctor outfit with a top Have hat him dressed like... as a fucking leprechaun with all the fucking <laughs> Irish shit. For all the fucking stupid Irish shit in this in this movie. Ah, me potato! Ah, me potato! Uh, That's terrible, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Irish uh, people eat other things. They do eat other things. Other th- they had to. Beans? Because there was a whole famine. They ate uh, corned beef. Corned beef. Cabbage. cabbage. Yes. Soda bread. Shamrock shakes. Shamrock shakes. <laughs> shamrocks. Shamrocks. They eat a lot of shamrocks. Uh, leprechauns. Uh, <laughs> just uh, the banshee. I I remember hearing stories of my Irish ancestors going hunting for leprechauns in the in the forest. For a second, it sounded like you were about to say Hitler. <laughs> were we about to say Hitler, and then you said leprechauns? I, I was not. I was talking about. I heard know, a, I heard a hard H because we were like a. <laughs> I was like, is he going to say Hitler? But and he I, didn't. And he I said pivoted, leprechauns. And I said, leprechauns. Yeah, yeah I, I, I see where you're going with that. That's just the traditional pronunciation of leprechauns. Gotcha. I'm a real artist. Yeah, leprechauns. 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 You have to sound like you're about to throw up or it doesn't work. Um, so, yeah. So the, uh, Kamo Oh, Cochran, here's the other thing I noticed. Okay. When Kamo Cochran offers them this free order, yes. Dan is really excited about Dan it. Dan is really he's, excited. He's like, yeah, this is a good deal. <laughs> I like, that, what the fuck do you care, Dan Chalice? I didn't think about that because, to, in my mind, uh, Dan O'Hurley is so charming that, of course, you would just start smiling the minute he started talking to you and treating you like you were a special little boy. Connell Cochran is the Alejandro Hodorowski of uh, the prank world, of the novelties world. God, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, yeah. Absolutely, he is. But yes, yeah, so uh, Cochran says. As much as I love Dan O'Hurley, now I want to see Alejandro Yohodorowski as uh, Connell Cochran. He would be great. He would be. He would, he would be, be so be... good in it. Yes. <laughs> he would be so good. In you that want role. the mask? You, the mask you is a, the messiah. Mask. It's a messiah. It's not a mask. It's a meaning. It's a life. It's a way of life. Uh, but yes, uh, I'm going to force my child to grow up in the desert. <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, I, I wrote down Daniel Haller. Dan O'Hurley. Damn it. Dan O'Hurley. Okay. Dan O'Hurley could read the phone book and make it engaging. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, so he so the, the sitcom majors are are like sitcom neighbors are like, hey, why don't you come and join us on the tour? I can't my good friend uh Yeah. You saw him once and you almost killed him that one time. Maybe he feels guilty. So they're yeah. coming they're coming with him on the tour. And uh Colin Cocker's like, sure. Come Here's along. another horribly contrived thing. It's like yes. both Ellie and Dan are like, We gotta get the fuck out of town. Yeah. Let's go on this tour first. Honestly, it would have been yeah, and also it would have been more con- it would have been more convincing to me if Colin Cochran had made the offer. He's like, "Why exactly. don't you join us?" Because he wants to. He he, it makes more sense for him to want to keep them there. Exactly. Yeah. That and also, 
how about you just have them not want to get the fuck out of town? Right. Have how about you have them be like, we need to keep investigating. We're right near the heart of this thing. We can't pass up this opportunity. Have one of them say, I, I got to get out. We got to get out of here. It's like, are you kidding? We just exactly. got offered unfettered access by that old man. Here's where I want to point out yeah. that the Silver Shamrock Factory seems yes. like about the size of a medium-sized brewery. <laughs> You're it's absolute, a very small factory. You're absolutely correct. The operation is extremely small, but they are supplying mass to the entire fucking country. The entire country. And again, we and this is why this is the part that really confuses me about the output of this company because they are supposedly a company that creates a lot of practical joke products and toys. But they, there's no they, space in the factory for there's that. There's no that we space see in the factory. At least. We we see some other toys, but they're all like museum pieces. They're all very when, com- I, the factory, I, Silver Shamrock Company has been around for a long time, they established, yes. and has made stuff going back a long time. So these all seem to be just antiques. They don't seem to be new toys. Yeah. They seem to be like keepsakes. And it seems like the only products that they ship right now are three masks. But National Lampoon Dad mentions other gags that they came up with, like the soft chainsaw, which is a good gag. Rubber chainsaw. and No, the, he says soft chainsaw. Oh, soft chainsaw. He, he says sticky toilet paper, which sticky sounds toilet like paper, Which sounds thing, like the most rapey joke possible it just seems like something that you yeah like something that you would hear about people selling in the 50s and be like yeah. wow i'm glad the world has changed yeah but no this operation is so small for how grand like so these small. masks must cost 150 dollars a piece <laughs> and yet every kid in america supposedly has one or at exactly. least all the cool ones and as you were mentioning all these antique like animatronics all these mm-hmm. automatons at one point on the tour they seem to enter the house on the rock <laughs> As Wait, made famous what? by American Gods. Oh, yes, yes, Remember yes, yes. that uh, uh, tourist trap in Illinois with all right. the... Uh, not yes. Illinois, Illinois. In, 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 Illinois, I believe, is the, French, is the French say. Yes. But yes, and we, we learned that Cochran, the backstory of Cochran from this uh, uh, Christmas Vacation Dad, he says, Cochran used to make toys, then became a creator of Practical Jokes, and uh, because I... I want to do point out the anti-capitalist stuff again. The sitcom neighbors say that they look up to Cochran because as toy shop owners themselves, they see him as someone who made it big yes. doing what they do. However, this is a lie. As we learn later in the movie, Colin Cochran did not get his fortune by being a honest toy maker or shop owner. He got his fortune through other means that we will get into. I must have checked out by that point. Uh, essentially inherited wealth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like most, like most millionaires. Like most millionaires, yeah. Like they, they have this bootstrap sort of narrative about them, but they all grew up with fucking emerald mines. There is, there is a anti-capitalist thematic element to this movie that could have been exploited a lot more. I have a feeling that in the original script, it probably was bigger because it's definitely there. Oh, it's absolutely in the movie, there. And, and the parts of the movie that are from the new writer, the director, Tommy Lee Wallace, are so dumb that there's no way that he put them there. Yes. That's the way my head works anyway. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Chalice, they, he decides that, uh, damn it. Okay, he decides that they need to get out of there. They need to go and call the police. Mm-hmm. 
They run back to the hotel. By the way, yes. what fucking police are they going to call? The Santa Mir police? Right. That yeah. are almost entirely owned, like, definitely... Definitely owned by Colin Cochran, just unless like they were else fucking, in this town. Unless there's some rogue vigilantes in the town of Santa Mira. I want to see that movie. Oh, my God. Like, we're going to stand up to the evil mask maker. They call the police, and the police all show up just fully decked out as leprechauns. They're just like... It's, just you have the right to have two more days till Halloween, <laughs> Halloween, Halloween. So everything in this movie is a fucking is it's the whole town is just the the evil kingdom from the first Shrek. It's just like sure. a, a weird parody of Disney World. John Lithgow would have been another great Connell Cochran. Oh my god, yeah, he would be great. Honestly, the mask, they kill children. <laughs> would have been really weird to see him as as Doctor Chalice though. Just see. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, I have no idea if John Lithgow is gay or straight. I don't know what his sexuality He's is. He's straight. But anytime that he plays a straight person, I always kind of question it. He has some <laughs> femininity about him. Yes. But uh, he's fantastic, no matter what. It's a good time. So my, my notes get vague from here. That's okay. Uh, the movie gets a little bit vague from here. Well, it gets very vague. Uh, so Charles decides to call the police. They run back to the motel. Their phones have been disconnected. Oh, yep. No. He, he goes back. And uh, he's, he's like trying to find another phone. The gray goons show up in a series of admittedly atmospheric shots. Yes. They start tra- uh, stalking him all over town. Again, like a slasher, like slasher villains, they do not run after him ever. They, Dan just, they just walk. on the run. Dan's on the run. Dan on the run. Connell Cochran is a mask maker having lots of fun. It's too bad he didn't have his uh, motorized... Uh, coffin at this time. He probably would have gotten yeah, away from them better. Probably. But uh, I, I run a solid 18-minute uh, mile. <laughs> Good for you. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, no, you it's know great. What? It's great. Great for you. And that that's, was back in, what was it, 82, 85? Uh, something uh, like that, yeah. Four it, years after Halloween, which was 78, so 82. Everything from about 50 to 9-11 is real blurry for <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, so they. But I woke up on 9 11 like every other American. (laughs) And I started investigating. (laughs) And you know who did it? Who did it? Osama bin Laden. You know, good good for you. Good for you for finding that out. Because I genuinely thought, given the kind of person you were, that you were going to say something much more wrong and much more offensive. What did you think I was going to say? Just. The Jews? <laughs> Something like that. Yes, thank you. Now we're back on brand. Anyway, uh, Ellie... I don't think it was the Jews, by the way. That's Billy who thinks that. <laughs> I do not think that. I think that you think that. Well, that's racist of you. <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> you think because I'm a white man, I'm an anti-Semite. I, I just think you're an anti-Semite because of who you are. <laughs> a doctor. No, just something very chalice-esque about you. Something very chalice-esque. That's you have your prejudice. Own, you have your own little thing. But anyway, uh, Ellie we, is captured off-screen. He runs back to the hotel at some point, finds out Ellie's gone. Yes, Ellie's gone. Ellie has had... She's a gone girl Ellie like has David sh- Fincher. I don't even... And then that's another thing. Why did they... <sighs> Why did they hide her in the in the shower? They just yeah. show everything right after that. Yeah. But anyway, she has shown her body and is no longer has any point to be in this movie, so she just vanishes from the yes. plot. She no not only does does her flesh no longer serve a purpose, she no longer serves a contrived purpose as a driver of the plot. Yeah, yeah. We we got Dr. Chalice here. Dan Chalice is now in the spider's web. 
ironically, this movie could have used the same plot redeeming twist of at the mouth in the mouth of madness if at the end it turned out that the chalice's whole life was being written by a hack it would have made the movie make so much more sense i mean you could argue that for any shitty movie i guess so yeah yeah uh but yeah so uh chalice breaks back into the factory yes. to try and find ellie and finds an old woman knitting Oh. Who turns out to be a robot old woman oh, knitting. fucking robots, like Blade Runner all over again. All over again. He's then attacked by Dick Warlock again. I, I hunted replicants for a few years. <laughs> After Blade Runner came out. There weren't replicants. Right. But I went looking for them because... Yeah, you just had to investigate. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of your thing. I, uh, I wrote Rutger Hauer a lot of letters <laughs> saying, where can I find more of your kind? <laughs> And he didn't crack. He didn't crack. I, I can't those, imagine. They make those krauts tough. <laughs> so you know, you know he's of German descent, and yet you still assume that he's a real replicant. Yeah. <laughs> they can't pull the wool off over your eyes, Dr. Chalice. That's why I didn't get vaccinated. <laughs> See, again, now we're back on track. Chalice uh, breaks back in the factory. Okay, so Dick Warlock attacks him chalice is able to fight dick warlock off gives him a fucking key strike yes um, beats 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 him to fucking death and he's filled with goo he's He's filled filled with with garmin bozia he's filled with garmin bozia and a bunch of gears and and like things and here's where we realize that these are not robert palmers they're robots they're robot palmers uh, they're robot palmers. Yes. Or as I call them, doom bots. Doom- but they would oh be, my God. they would be doom bots because it's Connell Cochran. Yes. So they'd be cock bots. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It would, I wish this movie had a bunch of robot Connell Cochran's all going around. Just, <laughs> just like, a th- so like in that shot that we, that we alluded to the, the, the atmospheric shot of like the five of them walking in a line after after uh, Dan Chalice, it just like have all four of them be Connell Cochran. They're all like, Mr. Chalice, Mr. Chalice, Mr. And- oh my God, Connell Cochran is as be agents- sure to turn in for to the giveaway, Dan Chalice. <laughs> Connell Cochran as uh, or Daniel Harlicky as as uh, Agent Smith. Like, that would have been great. That would have been amazing. Like, Mr. Anderson, welcome back. But yes, uh, so Chalice beats the goon to death. And is immediately grabbed by two other goons, and Colin Cochran walks in the scene and says, Pity <laughs> about the goon, and then looks at the old lady robot that's also destroyed and says, This was an antique. It was an antique from 1785. <laughs> the Germans made it. Yes, the Germans made it in 1785. He throws Dr. Chalice in a room, keeps him hostage until the next day, Halloween. Mm-hmm. We see that the, very briefly, that the uh, coroner friend that we've cut back to a couple times has finally deduced, uh, and I don't know how she fucking figured this out, but she figured out that the reason why they can't find any body parts is because the Grey Goons is robots. Well, she just... I, I, I thought that she just... No matter what she tried... Well, one, she was like, I think there's someone tampering with this. I can't get mm-hmm. any dna off this it's yeah. all gears and shit and but she's about she like has like a revelation face she's about to call somebody these are cockbots. these are cockbots. i figured it out 
and uh, one of the cockbots grabs her and driller kills her, mm. which unfortunately is not on, an on-screen kill. It's it's uh, like a cutaway thing, but yeah. still, it is with a power drill, which is always nice. It is. So yeah, Doctor Chalice is kept hostage in the next day. We see that the 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 coroner is dead, and we see like a little bit of a montage of people getting ready for Halloween night, and the the implication of the movie is very clear and, and in its own way very menacing. Good on the filmmaking. Good on the filmmakers for this good bit of menace. There is no one who can do anything to stop whatever is happening. Yeah, I don't. I feel like that was not intentional. No, it was definitely intentional. Mm-hmm. But I don't think feel like it was made as clear as it could have been. Like, okay, yes, it's clear, but I feel like that dread could have been played up more. Like, sure, like it's sort of just like. Granted, I was not into the movie at this point, right. so I was not giving it a lot of credence, mm-hmm. and so maybe that's on me. I will admit, and maybe this affects my recommendation, especially if you were thinking about checking this movie out before, that I tend to meet this movie more than halfway, Grand. because I enjoy the vibe of it, uh, and that affects my enjoyment of the film so much that I overlook a lot of these shitty things we've been pointing out. And as we've talked about, yeah. as I've told you a lot off the podcast... yes. Part of exploring weird movies and exploitation and shit like mm-hmm. that is you're going to find a lot of gristle and yes. not a lot of meat. Yes. And the enjoyment for a movie is going to be how much you get out of that meat as opposed to how hard the gristle is to get through. I think that that, yeah, I think that's a big thing. There's a lot of bad movies that I enjoy. And I think that a lot of people can probably relate to this because there are certain parts of it that are just like yeah, low for you. Absolutely. They are the meat. And even though there's a lot of gristle in Halloween three, the meat is exactly the kind of meat I want from it. It and does it for you. It does it, it, does for, it me. for you. And that's, what's important. Yeah. It, it, it's maybe it's because it's from a British sci-fi writer. Cause I'm such a doctor who fan. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is like King. The bones of, of it brain. just resonate. Yeah. It just does. Sure. But yeah, my next note is yay. Magic pumpkin. Huh. I think that's probably the scene where they're testing on the people. Which we're about to get to. We're about to get to. Cochran starts laying out little nuggets of of exposition. Uh, I enjoy how vague Connell Cochran is about all of his exposition, though, because I I enjoy that he... I think if, if it was any other actor, I think I would be annoyed by it. But because it's such a charming performance from Daniel Hurley... And he does such a great job of acting like creating Connell Cochran as a character who's just the ultimate murderous shit poster. Okay. And the ultimate murderous because, troll. Because Everything his he entire does, fucking motivation seems to be, let's play a joke on the children. Let's play a joke on the children by killing them. As Turning we'll them into them. fucking crickets, as we're yes. about to see. Uh, but Cochran, that's, honestly, mm-hmm. that was a huge problem for me. Sure. Is that like... There's no fucking clear motivation behind this. Like, well, they what get, the fuck is the point? The motivation is a little bit further explained than, than you're making it out to be. Okay. But uh, most people do come away from the movie saying, like, what the fuck? Like, Ebert's review is just like, why the fuck did Connell Cochran do anything? Like, like that's yeah, most no, of the review. Yeah, no, that's where I'm at. Like, yeah. granted, I, and again, I was checked out at this point. Sure. To me, I was still, his I was, character is makes a lot of sense, but, like, I understand that... A lot of people by this movie have stopped paying attention. And grant, like I was, I my attention was buoying. Like this is interesting. This is weird. Like it is. It is a. But weird I was movie. still, I was still also like, I am checking the time, mm-hmm. not because I'm curious about structural 
because sometimes I'll check the time just to see how movies are structured. And also both of us have problems with attention span. Yes. Yeah. But here I was checking the time to be like, how much longer until I can go to sleep? <laughs> Which is exactly the attitude every filmmaker wants someone watching Which their movie the with. the fucking attitude Dan Chalice has half the movie. Very true, actually. So, hey, it puts you in the character's shoes. Yeah, I was LARPing. You were... <laughs> it made you sympathize with the lead. In in a in a very real way, exactly. But yeah, so so Connell Cochran has Dan Chalice strapped up. He He's has bound. Well, first he 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 shows he gives him another factory tour. He shows him behind in the original factory tour. He said, "Hey, that's the room for final processing. Final Can't processing. show you that. Can't that's where there. we make the secret There's sauce. A lot of dangerous chemicals. A lot of dangerous chemicals." But now he's like, hey, I'm going to show you final processing. So he walks him through. He's got them all tied up. He shows him this computer room where they have they have the moonstone that we heard was stolen earlier mm-hmm. in the movie. It's there. And he's and in oh my, my favorite God. bit of vagary in the movie, he says, he says, we have time getting it here. You wouldn't believe how we did it. And then doesn't say a goddamn thing more about it and moves him completely on to the next subject. See, that's a thing where, like, on the third watch, I would appreciate that. Sure, but on the yeah. first watch, I'm like, fuck you. I, fuck you and your lazy ass. I, I know that that's lazy writing. The way he says it comes it's, across as yeah. Like, the way he says it is fuck great. you because he's great. <laughs> yeah, but then I but then we see like a little chunk of the moonstone because they're mm-hmm. breaking off chunks and it's like, did they shrink the moonstone? Did they shrink the moonstone and like put it in Connell Cochran's pocket. <laughs> no, like, I think I think they literally just like were chipping bits off. No, I understand yeah. that now, but yeah. when I first saw the bit, yeah. I was like. Oh, did, did he, he shrink it? Did he shrink it? Yeah, yeah, I see. Okay. But yeah, so Cochran says that he's a part of a... It's it's very unclear whether or not he's talking about himself being immortal or if he's talking about him being the latest in a long line of people who've been working towards something for a long time. But he says that uh, whoever they are, whoever he's a, whatever he's a part of has been in power on the fringes of society, hiding but still very much in power, very much rich, very much in control, for at least 3,000 years. Before the birth of Jesus Christ? Before the birth of Christ. He, I think he actually says that, doesn't he? I'm not sure. Is, and he, That's my natural reaction as a Christian. As a Christian, yes. You are the most devout person here. Yes. But again, this is the capitalist subtext. Uh, the myth of genius and earned wealth is proven to be a disguise for inherited power. Uh, he's not the, he's the one who stole the stone this piece of Stonehenge, not Carmen Sandiego. Oh! Uh, which was my first guess. Uh, he, we had a time getting here, but catch up, Billy, where's your notes? Um, and he s- explains that at least the Moonstone of Stonehenge, but probably also Stonehenge itself, because they have a bunch of computers set up in the same configuration as oh, Stonehenge. yeah, I didn't notice in that. In front of the... And since you said that the Moonstone is a stone that's adjacent to it, it yeah. probably has the Moonstone adjacent to it. I didn't even notice that before, but I, I did notice the circle of computers. They're using a combination of current tech with ancient magic or ancient alien tech or something. It's not, never made entirely clear. The reason why I like the vagary in this part is because I hate how much detail, how much needless detail there is in the beginning of the movie. And I feel like you don't need to know the stuff that they leave out. Like, to me, 
How did they get stone the the moonstone yeah. here? I don't give a shit. You're right. It's yeah. not important, especially yeah. at this point in the fucking movie. So I kind um, of I kind of like the cheeky joke of like, you wouldn't believe how we got this here. Anyway, like it just it it makes me chuckle. But yeah, so they're using this. They've they've chipped off pieces of the moonstone and included them. Each one of the badges, and those chips mm. in the badges on the mask. Each of one has a little bit of moonstone, just a little mm. bit. Just a, that's that secret sauce. We are moon people, made of moon dust. <laughs> Every one of the Halloween signs on the moon has a bit of moonstone in it. Moonstone. Yes. Yeah, so uh, they decide that they're going to run one last test before the big giveaway at nine. Yes, and they're going to do it on National Lampoon Family. On National Lampoon Family. Who they lead into a fake living room, sort of? They lead them into the fake living room. They sit them... It's it's like a 1950s stereotypical yeah. Yeah, living room. They, they have curtains up. There's no windows behind the curtains. They sit them down. They start the TV... Uh, they gave uh, the kid, the annoying kid, a mask a earlier on. A pumpkin mask. A pumpkin mask, and he's still wearing it. He's been wearing well, he, it the whole time. Well, he took it off, and then he puts it on because the TV tells him to. That's right. The t- So the TV comes on. Uh, interesting thing I found out during this movie that was not from my notes. The, all the capitalism stuff I've been talking about is my own thoughts on the movie. This is something that somebody it's, else brought it's up. It's not only your thoughts. I've seen other people's You have this. seen other people? Yeah. Okay. There was something I didn't realize that this movie came out around the same time that Ronald Reagan had been Ronald Reagan and his gang of ghouls had been working to deregulate advertising for children. Oh, okay. So this is around the same time that like stuff like G.I. Joe Transformers, He-Man, stuff that was like, hey, we're gonna make an entire program that's just an advertisement for yeah. toys, that suddenly became legal. It was illegal before the eighties to do that. So that may have been something that someone what, that the very old British sci-fi writer writing this movie may have been thinking about. Uh, so to perform a test run, they, they they show the broadcast. It's going to be broadcast at 9 p.m. on Halloween night. And it's a magic pumpkin. It's the pumpkin from the opening. Yay, magic pumpkin! Monkey magic pumpkin! It's the pumpkin from the opening. It's 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 flashing on and on. They say, look, put on your mask, kids, and look at the screen for the big giveaway. And this is the part that I really wish I didn't know was coming. Because what is about to happen is fucking insane. If you have stayed with us this long and think that this is a movie that you might want to check out, I agree with Brad. This is your last fucking chance to turn this off because if you don't know about this, holy shit. Yeah, because I, I was. This is something that stuck out with me so much just from listening to these other guys talk about yeah. it. It is the first. I did. I too was explained this before seeing the movie. Back in the day when I used to watch a YouTuber I won't name because I don't want to give them press. But uh, Onision? N- uh, no, no, not Onision. Okay. Uh, but uh, a different, a different YouTuber, movie reviewer. Sure. But uh, but he uh, he tried to describe because it was an audio review. He tried to describe what happens in the scene, and he couldn't. I didn't. It didn't penetrate my brain. I couldn't fathom what he was talking about. And then I saw, like, either the movie or a video review of the movie, I don't remember which came first, and I was like, like, holy fuck, this is insanity. What what happens when a child wears their silver shamrock mask... And the pumpkin flashes. And the pumpkin flashes, the magic pumpkin flashes, Mm -hmm. is their face turns into crickets and snakes. Yeah. They fully die. They just die on the spot. Their face and their head just disintegrates and turn and gives birth spontaneous generation style to uh, a shit ton of crickets 
and and rattlesnakes and just a whole bunch of nasty yeah. gnarly shit. The, the rest of their body does not disappear. It's no, just the fucking head. Just the head. The the mask. Well, that's the part that the mask is covering. Of yeah. course. it's a, like a little microwave. The you 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 see in one of the most. I think disturbing kills in the whole Halloween franchise. The kid slump just like starts holding his head. He slumps over. We see the 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 mask deflate as he doesn't have a head anymore. And you just see these tons of disgusting just crickets pouring crickets out snakes. And, uh, yeah, and 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 like a the full snake bites the parents. Rattlesnake. Yeah, the the mom faints. She dies of of fright. But the dad gets killed with a rattlesnake. And you're just like watching this on a, on a camera. And if this movie gives us nothing else, you will never see this anywhere else. No. You, no one has ever done this before. No, absolutely not. No one not. will ever do this again. Even if you like and Halloween it's... 3, this is never going to happen in another movie again. This is thoroughly unique. And it even if every other part of this movie, you if you make an argument for any other part of this movie being generic or schlocky or bullshit... No, this is a fucking insane thing scene, to have happen in your movie. This scene makes it a part of this podcast. Yeah, like, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, this is goddamn insane. It's wild. As a it's... horror fan, this is, this is absolute meat. This is absolute meat. The, everything else is gristle. This is absolute meat. And again, like, ask yourself, why... Why? What the fuck is the point? Where where did this come from? What idea did what? you have? I think it literally. This... I think the idea was literally. At someone point, I, I never thought about this. The same person who was talking about the commercial thing on YouTube, I was watching, pointed out essentially all it is. You don't think about. At least I don't when you're watching it. All it is is it's just the myth that parents tell kids to get them to stop watching TV. Stop sitting so close to the TV. Stop watching TV. It'll rot your brain. And so they just took it and made their his, the kid's entire head a rotting pumpkin that just rots, deflates like a pumpkin does with his mask on and had a whole bunch of carrion feeder that's, creatures crawl out of his face. That's a really good point because the children all do get very close to the television. Every instance, Every single child in this movie. Uh, yeah. The mother in the beginning says, don't, don't sit, sit so close to the TV. Kids. You'll ruin your eyes. Even I think the I, mom, even the mom in this scene, the mom from the sitcom family says something like that, like "Don't sit so close" or like "Sit or, or turn the, the volume down" or something like that. And I, I noted finally a way to turn children into crickets. <laughs> we have so many children, right? And not enough crickets. Not enough crickets. What the fuck are we gonna do? What the fuck are we gonna do? Finally, this... Connell Cochran, Irish innovator. Innovator. The Irish have always been on the forefront of technology. Always have. And I, I also noted, Dan Chalice, go doctor them. This What's is... the cure for cricket face? <laughs> he wouldn't know he's a foot doctor. I, uh, no, hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. I if they would have let me get in there, uh huh. first I would have done chest compressions. <laughs> I'm a strong man. Yes. It doesn't look like it. Because I'm in this coffin. Right, yeah. And it doesn't look like it in the movie, because I, I kept wanting to take my our, shirt off. Our I kept wanting to take my shirt this. off. Our viewers can't see this, but Dan Chalice, as he's been lying in the coffin throughout this episode, is like somehow sunk further and further into the coffin as he goes. My legs are decomposing. <laughs> Normally that happens after death. Right. But I'm so good at everything. That I'm decomposing just, ahead of schedule. You're the best. That's at, why ladies want me. Right. Because I'm so fucking fast. You're so. 
a famously desirable trait with with women when they take lovers is is quickness. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why so many women want to fuck Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog was based on me. I, I don't tell a lot of people that. That makes I don't an tell upsetting a lot of amount of sense to me. Does it? <laughs> I Explain have, to me how. Well, I just I've noticed that you've eaten an upsetting amount of chili dogs, and I've also been, been eating here. gold rings. <laughs> Every fucking I gotta eat gold rings or else I'm gonna die. <laughs> the gold that's that's the that's the the secret of how you've lasted so long. You exactly. just keep eating them gold rings. I, every hundred, every hundred, I get another life. Every which every is time, five minutes. Every time you go to a carousel at a park, you're just like riding around with your mouth. Those open. are brass rings. Oh, I'm sorry. Those are brass rings. Right. I have to rob a lot of jewelry stores. <laughs> I'm the number one cat burglar in mm. this country. Interesting. It's okay. hard to get my coffin through windows. I, but I do it, and I do it with style, brother. I I'm now torn between my my uh, loathness to ever interact with a police officer and my just sort of general distaste for you as a person. Back the blue. <laughs> oh man, I think I'm just gonna let you die. I think that's the best thing for everyone. So is is it now where we get the montage of the entire East Coast trick or treating? So after we now see what's going on. By the way. This is the part of the movie where Dr. Chalice is the most relatable because you cut back and Tom Atkins has this uh, fantastic, like, horror-stricken face. It's the best acting he does in the movie. It's just reacting to the, to the, to the plot. But, yes, at this point, the movie, again, in a pretty good piece of editing, is like, hey, this is what happened to this kid. Now, let's see how many people are wearing the mask. Oh, it's everyone! It's everybody, and time zones don't exist. Time zones don't exist. The 9 p.m fucking giveaway is going to happen at the same time across the fucking nation there's everyone else is on east coast time except yeah. for california <laughs> everyone's wrapping up trick-or-treating around the same time all the kids are wrapping up also, trick-or-treating hold before on. 9 p.m which hold i don't on. think has ever been a thing exactly yeah. especially in 82 85 right those kids were out to like fucking 9 30 10 at this there were still latchkey kids back then like motherfucking those kids were, those kids were like a. what this vague giveaway on tv i don't give a shit give me candy give a, there that's a pe- guarantee i don't know what you're even giving away there are people exactly. who on my block who will give away candy right now and they're not fucking in vans, full hershey bars and they're not in vans this time and I didn't have to pay $250 for their mask. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We've just seen the wildest shit ever. Yes. And we saw a pretty cool montage. And that uh, ma- most of the trailer is just that montage. Really? Like, yeah. Because, like, what, what else would they show to advertise this movie to people? And here we get a little bit more ex- exposition from Connell Cochran. Now, this is my favorite scene in the movie. Because it's so fucking vague and dumb? It's not because it's vague and dumb. It's because Daniel Hurley, he throws everything at the stupid monologue. And he, to me... Because he didn't know what the fuck else to do. Because it's fucking meaningless. He doesn't say anything. He's an incredible actor, and he found a way to make this speech that under normal circumstances would not work and just manages to Vincent Price in thrillers rap the hell out of it and just fucking kill it. And to me, it's one of the greatest Halloween moments in any movie. Okay. Like I I like to me Dan O'Halloran giving this Dan O'Hurlihy. Sorry, Dan O'Hurlihy giving this speech is Halloween in my brain. Okay. Like it he But he, 
Sorry, go ahead. No, it, it. What frustrated me is here's where, the, and granted, as a person who loves the unexpected mm-hmm. and the out of the norm, yeah, I should not want the movie to play into tropes. Sure, but here's where he it definitely should, does play into tropes in the speech. He did, but here's where he should explain why mm-hmm. he's doing what he's doing. He does. No, he doesn't. He 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 actually does, and it's it's the the explanation is interesting. He, uh, Chalice asks just some, why, like again, best acting from Tom yes. Atkins in the movie, just being like horrified at at, at this fucker, and he delivers uh, this speech where he talks about how he's, he's he says you probably never questioned the holiday of Halloween. Uh, just besides the strange custom of having your children dress up in costumes and going out and begging candles, strangers for candy. But he says that uh, Halloween, he does at first say, I've always loved a joke. And this is a joke on the children. This is a joke on the... Yeah, that seems to be his entire motivation. Well, that's what he says at first. But then he gets into it. And he says that Halloween used to be the festival of Samhain, which is true. Which there's is, it, vague uh, shit about a sacrifice. There's a, a Gaelic holiday, which... He says involved a lot of sacri- sacrifices of children and sacrifices of, of livestock. In reality, there Not are a true. lot of people who will tell you they know what Samhain was. We don't actually know for sure because most of Irish culture from before St. Patrick happened is there. We only know about because St. Patrick and his buddies wrote Christianized versions of them yeah. that depicted the Druids as horrifying monsters to say, hey, you got us now. Uh, so we actually don't know a lot about Irish history, which pisses me off. But he gives a speech, and he says that uh, Hall- Halloween was... Re- the real Halloween was Samhain, which was celebrated. The last big blowout Samhain celebration was 3,000 years ago, in which the planets were aligned, and a much bigger sacrifice than usual was required. And uh, Connell Cochran's people, or potentially Connell Cochran himself... In the original script, Connell Cochran's character was secretly a demon who'd been living on Earth for three thousand years, but that's not in this this version of the film. Uh, he's been he and his, or his people have been here for three thousand years. The planets are now aligned once again, and it's time for another massive sacrifice. The reason for the the method for the sacrifice is because he finds you can tell through the way that he plays it. Maybe this was not in the original script, but the way that he plays it. The read I get off of him is that he, he there needs to be a massive sacrifice of children, much bigger than normal. And uh, he also hates modern-day Halloween and finds it offensive. And the interpretation I get off of his this in his, his character in this scene is that Silver Shamrock has a company and his, his serving the community with, with, with Halloween th- uh, decorations and Halloween masks is all Connell Cochran being an ancient at least a follower of ancient Irish traditions, if not like someone who was actually there 3,000 years ago, uh, who is offended and upset at America and the... America especially, but the modern world's commodification of both his culture in two ways. His commodification of Halloween and the commodification of Irishness. Okay. uh, Into this cartoon... Both of them being turned into this bizarre, garish, cartoonish shit. And he's like, hey... The plants have aligned. It's time for me to do a massive sacrifice of children. I want to do it in a way that A, plays into their stereotypes of me and my culture, and also just fucks them where they live. I want the parents to watch their kids disintegrate before their eyes. Okay. 
Uh, I, and now, fair enough, that's not in the script. That's not in the speech that he gives. But that's what I take from it, and that's why I... And then that's me meaning the movie more than halfway again. That's me the movie 90% of the way, I'd say. Sure. Um, again, this is apparently something that was more fleshed out in the original script, where Colin Cochran was a 3,000-year-old demon. Fair. But it's not here. Uh, so, anyway, Cochran turns on the TV, and the first and only time that the score works is because it's just... the Halloween. The Halloween theme. It's, yeah. it's not even the main Halloween. It's just the... Dun, 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 dun theme when Laurie is like looking around trying to find yeah. out where her friends are. And he says... And as that, that theme plays, he leans into Tom Hanks and says, Oh, and happy Halloween. And I just... I just come. It's just... Yeah. It's amazing. So that's my favorite scene. I'm sorry it didn't work for you. It didn't work for Kaylee either it, when I showed it to her. She, yeah, she was it, like, just, this, is, this is bullshit. And I was like, fine, okay. Yeah, I didn't get any yeah. of that from it. But granted, I was not. I was checked out at this point. I was sure. not willing to meet the movie halfway or even mm-hmm. a quarter of the way. I, I think when like, I... when give I, me anything to hold on to. When I first went into this movie, the first time I watched it, I was expecting it to be shit. And I was like, hey, let's just watch some real bad cheese. And then... So I think that at that point, when things were better than I thought that they would be, yeah, it was like a nice surprise, as opposed to, Billy says he really loves this movie, let me watch it. Oh, gotcha. shit, this sucks. Uh, O'Hurley said, when people asked him if he, if he liked the film, he said, I... He said, I enjoyed the fuck out of making that movie. He said, <laughs> whenever I get to use my own cork accent, I have a good time. Because most, oh, most of the time, he's either British or American in yeah. films. So whenever I get to use my own cork accent, I'm having a good time. I used a cork accent in Halloween 3, therefore, uh, good one. I thoroughly enjoyed the role, but I didn't think it was much of a picture. <laughs> I, understandable. It I thought that seem... was the most polite way he could have put that. <laughs> Absolutely. But yes. Uh, Chal- so, sorry. Dan Chalice busts out. He busts out. He's James Bond now. He goes and rescues Ellie. He goes and rescues Ellie, who does not have any dialogue at all for the rest of the film. He, no. just, he picks her up, and she's just silent, and he's like, come on. He tries to call his family and warn them about the Sam- Silver Shamrock Mass, and the only good father thing he does in the whole movie. Yes. And, and they are of course so done his, with his bullshit. His thing. shrew wife. She has to be a shrew. It's like, no, you're wrong. You're just jealous that they like my masks better. I mean, at this point, he's... Given them so much guff, like I wouldn't listen. Oh to yeah, no, good point. But the movie yeah. wants us. To... I think the movie. I think the movie is more siding with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But yeah, so uh, I just, I just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna uh, interject. I okay. <laughs> and say that my ex-wife's a bitch. <laughs> I just... Well, that's just like... I just want that on the record. That's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> that's from Miller's Crossing. I thought that... Oh, uh, no. Okay, you're doing a bit. Yeah, no. Yeah, oh, sure, it's from it's from Miller's Crossing. Uh, <laughs> if there's anyone who saw Miller's Crossing, yeah, it was Dan Chalice. Definitely Dan Chalice. Okay. And so, knows enough of the Coen Brothers oeuvre to conflate the two. In another moment that is extremely contrived, I kind of like it because it's so ho- hokey and weird, but it is extremely contrived. When they sneak across the plant using they, the... Uh... They sneak across the whole plant. Everyone just happens to look away at the exact moment they're going by. He manages to sneak right up to their control panel in full view of everyone, turn on 
the jackal, the magic Somehow pumpkin. Somehow he fucking knows how to do it. Yeah, he turns on the magic pumpkin on all of their screens. They don't turn it off. They just turn around and look and like, oh, that's weird. As he takes all the time in the world to get up onto the banisters with a huge box of the tags and throw them down yes. like the handful of quarters at the end of Batman Forever, throwing them down at them. And it causes... Making it rain on them bitches. Making it rain. And as we saw, if it doesn't have a mask to contain the blast with Marge, it'll just fire in all directions. So a whole bunch of lasers fire off and destroy all of the lab assistants. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were robots, maybe they weren't. I can't I think they were all cockbots. They were all cockbots? I think so. That's the theory that people had about the town, why the town was okay. He he thinks that he systematically replaced everyone with cockbots. Seems unnecessary. Seems unnecessary, but it would connect it more to uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Sure. Uh, but yeah, he throws them down. He destroys all the robots. <laughs> Kyle Cochran has this great little... It's terrible, but it's great. It's this terrible little uh, Batman villain moment. James Bond villain moment. No, this is fucking amazing. Looking, this is the best Kyle Cochran bit. Looking around at all the dead bodies of his robots, and then looking up, he and he just... Starts clapping. Just Starts gives, clapping. He gets this little smile on his face, like, Good move, son. Because he loves a prank. That's, he loves a prank. Good point. That's exactly what this is. Yeah, he's like, this Oh... Is, I've been outpranked by a master. Good work, good work, good work. I was trying to pull a funny, you pulled a funny on me. Oh my god, oh my god. I was trying to kill children, you killed my cockbots. Turns out, the prank is not over, though, because the the lasers and the computers creates a feedback loop. It connects with the Moonstone somehow, blasts Kyle Cochran. He turns into a papier-mâché version of himself for a couple of frames. Yes, that was fucking wonderful. Yes. I love his resigned attitude before it happened. He's like, it's like, well, <laughs> I'm not going to move. I'm not going to do anything. No, he's fully like, this is, you made the winning move. Good work. I'm just going to accept this. I've tried to prank a prankster. Yes. Good work. Good work, my man. Chalice and Ellie escape, except they don't. Turns out, Ellie. Ellie's a cockbot. Ellie has been replaced with a cockbot. But Let's hasn't see if he she knows always this. been a cockbot? Oh, my God. We'll cut that out. <laughs> We don't have to. It's fine. But yeah, Ellie is uh, an evil robot. She attacks uh, Chalice in the car in a scene, speaking of In the Mouth of Madness, as I mentioned earlier, very reminiscent of the bit where, not nearly as effective, but very oh, reminiscent the of the end bit of, of the, In the Mouth of Madness the end, when, where uh, When the woman attacks, turns on him. Yeah. Uh, she, she, except this scene is bad and goes on for it's way bad. too long. It goes on, a, it's like it goes a, on for a hundred years. Feels like a fucking Austin Powers bit. It does, where, like, every time he kills her, he'll knock her down, and then, like, a new... Oh, no, her arm's her. still alive. Oh, no, her oh, no, oh, no, now her head's still, head's still yeah. Now her headless body is attacking, and every time it plays the exact same jump scare sting. Yes. And it's so... It's like, the movie has built up... It was bad for so long, and it was awesome for that bit of time. Mm-hmm. It built up so much momentum, and then this scene almost kills the momentum for me. The ending scene is just awesome enough to. The ending scene is great. Somehow, Tom Atkins makes it all the way back. All the way. To the gas station where uh, Mr. Grimbridge originally stumbled. Yes, that we've come full circle, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. It's a complex movie. It's a complex movie. Resonant themes. Yes, three masks, three toes. I don't know. Three men and a baby. Three men (laughs) and a baby. But anyway, so he he makes it away finally from Ellie's robot. He makes it to the gas station. He starts calling, I guess, a friend that he has at the TV station. So he just calls one eight hundred TV show. (laughs) 
Exactly. He calls 1-800-TV-SHOW. And uh, he talks to the, the mayor of Broadcasting Town. Which, again... Presumably on the East Coast, yes. uh, children have been crickets for like three hours. Right, exactly. You think someone would have called and said, hey, every child that has turned into crickets and snakes, watch the S- Silver Shamrock program. Mm-hmm. Maybe you shouldn't run it, Hoss. Yeah, exactly. It's it's Yeah, exactly. But he, he calls up the TV stations like, hey, you got you to take the commercial down. You got to take, I know it's about to happen. It's like literally like 8.59 as he's calling. I don't have any proof. I don't have any proof. You just got to trust me. Take it down. You got to trust me. I'm Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan. And they're like, oh my God, Dr. Dan's calling. He felt me up once. We know we can trust him. And so they start taking shit down. Left. They they, uh, They take down one channel. Well, the kids come in first. Yeah. We see some kids come in. Trick or treating at a gas station like all kids do. They come in. They turn on the TV. Going to watch television at the gas gas station like like all children do. do. And they all have their masks on, like kids do. And the broadcast begins, just as we saw it earlier. And did they, But it gets taken down right before the pumpkin comes on. They switch to another channel. It gets taken down on the second channel. They turn to a third channel, third, the three networks. They turn to the third channel. And Dan is still on the phone. Dan he's screaming. No, you got to do the third you one. You got to do the third one. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it! Yes, and it's... I take it back from before. This is the best acting Tom Atkins does in the movie. Yes. This, after a whole movie of, like... Having some cool moments, but like nothing actually being frightening or effective. This scene this is, actually manages yes. to really get under it's my skin. It's very tense. It's very. I wish because like in a certain any point, other like this is about because we we in the in the broadcast the pumpkin is flashing yes. and it's flashing white and then the pumpkin and then at a certain point the the editing becomes so uh, uh, close that it's flashing between the pumpkin the white screen and Tom Atkins' yeah. face screaming and it's so effective and it's so uh, just good and then and the movie stops and then it with ends the, it just it fucking, fucking ends he ends. screams stop it he and says it stop ends. it and then you hear him echoing into the into the distance as the movie ends and that's just the fucking end of the movie for all we know, it's like the fucking ending of the thing. It's like if if Roger Corman's The Terror had the ending of the thing. It's, yes. it's such schlock up until this moment where it just like leaves you feeling unsettled for the rest of the evening. See, after you're done watching it, as much as I love this moment, yeah, as much as this was the most effective moment in the film, definitely. And as much as this abrupt ending works so perfectly, it does. The rest of the film did not deliver me to this point where i was like sure i was just sort of like okay that's where it ends sure where a better film would be like that's fucking brilliant right but you have to admit that like the absolute chutzpah to end a movie with the potential death of every child in america especially the main character's children in main character's children and and a bunch of other children and just like all just children hollywood in general has a has a has an understandable bugaboo about kids. That's why horror fans get really excited yeah. whenever kids die in horror movies. Because I like, know I do. I do too. It's like and y'all. That's already, part of Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Y'all, you already get to see the kid's head rot like a pumpkin turned to snakes yeah. earlier. But and now it's that's going to happen to every child in the world. And as far as you know, it absolutely does. Yeah. And the movie gives you no hope at the end whether or not it's going to happen. Absolutely. And I. 
I wish Dan Chalice gave it more of a shit about his children. Then maybe I'd be more worried about his kids. Like, yeah, no, Dan Chalice doesn't have an arc. He just suddenly becomes a sympathetic character after meeting Kyle Cocker. He's like, hey, I thought I was a douchebag. I met Kyle Cocker and that dude. Oh, hey, there's a worse me. dude. I'm the hero. I think I've decided. I think I've decided to turn over a new leaf and become a hero. Because, like, man, this guy sucks. But yeah, that's. We have we've gone very long. This will probably be much shorter after the edit. Hopefully, but uh, that's Halloween three. Uh, definitely better than the movies most often compared to Friday Five, because uh, Friday Five was they literally just got a porn director to make a Friday movie, and it's, it is really offensive. But like, uh, definitely a flawed film. But I think absolutely worthy of its cult appeal in that in the, sure only in the fact if only in the fact that it's just so unique it is very unique uh yeah. if only just from the standpoint of the franchise yeah definitely uh it, it's an interesting artifact there it, are things in terms that, of franchise making in general no other franchise has ever uh pivoted this hard and this interestingly that's because no other franchise has Someone who is so much in control of the franchise, but also someone who does not give a shit. Does not care as for the franchise. much as John Carpenter. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If you want to see, if you, like me, are fascinated by the world in which the anthology version of Halloween took off, uh, something we said off, off mic, yes. check out Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat is the perfect Halloween movie, even though, again, this will be coming out. Far after Halloween. Yeah, watch it But anyway. watch Trick or Treat. It's it's a good movie anytime. It's I made know by the, the first... same guy who made Krampus. And we love Krampus. We love Krampus. We love this. It's, yes. It's exactly... It's the it's the flavor of fun horror that that Brad and I love exactly. so much. It's like Goosebumps for adults. There, there's a lost art of horror for children. Yes. Which... And I think that Trick or Treat is like... Definitely it's, for older children. Yes, but, but like a thirteen-year-old uh, kid, show them fucking yeah. trick or treat. They'll love you. Absolutely. Kramp- Krampus is definitely for more, younger kids than trick or treat is. <laughs> Krampus is a little bit broader, a little bit gro- goofier, but yeah, you can like uh, like an eleven-year-old can watch Krampus. Right. Yeah, uh, I would say like thirteen is probably a good age for. Yeah, sure. Sorry, there's there's some nudity, there's some blood, but yeah, it's yeah. great, fantastic movie, and but significantly better than Halloween. I'm great. not sure what I want to bring on next. Sure, there's a ton of options. I will let Always you know are. soon. There's a world of weird out there, and we're just scratching the surface. Absolutely, as I find out every day. Absolutely. All right, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. All right, make sure you export.